Welcome back to the PC Master Race podcast, where player choice is the best platform. This is episode 93. Finally, another uh, PC games history lesson. This is going to be 1985 to 1989. It's almost been two months since the last yeah. one. <laughs> uh, my name is Dakota. And my name is Jones. And Jones is actually going to be hosting, but he hates doing the intro. So. I always butcher it, so that's why I don't do it. <laughs> I try not to. Cuts cuts recording town ta- uh recording time down drastically when I do it because it's <laughs> yeah. one take. Before I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. So finally we're talking about PC games history again. I actually thought we were in the nineties. I forgot we were doing it every five years. Uh and then I, when Jones and I were talking about this, I was like, man, I can't wait to talk about Doom again. And he's like, dude, we're not even at Doom yet. Yeah. He's like, oh, <laughs> we get to talk about Doom and like shareware. And I was like, no, we're still in the 80s. He's like, we're still in the 80s. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. We've only done one forever. of these. Like, oh, wow. Okay. It's been a long time. Yeah. So we actually have a bunch of games that we've played this past week. So mm-hmm. before we get into those, I do just want to let everybody know. Uh, we have timestamps down in the description if you want to jump to the main topic, uh, because we do have ca- housekeeping to do. And remember, while you are listening, if you enjoy the content, leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform, or think about uh, checking us a couple dollars on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash PCMRcast. We post every Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time at 6 a.m. Yeehaw time. Yeehaw! I like Any it. community events? Uh, yeah, we can go ahead and announce the community event. For the 23rd, I'm pretty sure is what yes. we decided on. Yes, we totally have agreed on that already. Sound, soundboard of me agreeing. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to do it the 23rd at 8 o'clock Central, is what we normally do, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. 8 o'clock yeah. Central time. Um, It's going to be a surprise again. It's probably going to be the same thing we did last month, because that was really fun. But it's a surprise. Everybody enjoyed it, yeah. People are asking us to bring it back, so... We'll yeah. do it again, but we'll, this time we'll make it harder, which oh. is a problem that I'm happy we have. Yes, because it was way too uh, easy, shockingly. But also, I'd ha- rather have it be easy and fun mm-hmm. than stupidly hard and not fun, because you have to guess that is <laughs> how true. many miles are in the <laughs> yeah. Trans-African Highway yeah. combined. It was. Uh, it oh. would be. It would be good because we were like, "Oh man, these are gonna be really hard." And a lot of, and we actually blew through the game. I think it was one of our shortest games that we had. It was like an hour and 15 minutes and everyone's like, oh, we're done. And we were like, we're like, oh, we're, we should put a bunch of extra just in case, like, you know, it takes a while and we can just cut it early. Like, no, people just like, did we blew did 25 questions? Or yeah, people like blew through that like games. crazy. Yeah. So we're excited because it was really fun to make. And this time we're going to go back to the archives, which is a great segue into our PC history lesson that we're doing today. Going to go dig deep. So bring out exactly. the bring out the bring out the, <laughs> the boomers, classics. bring out the boomers to help you guys. Yeah. <laughs> The pixels are ingrained in their brain, dude. They know exactly the exact like alignment of the pixels from like, Mario's yeah. foot. Yeah, dude. The <laughs> the nostalgia of them putting all countless quarters into the arcade machines, like back, yeah, jacked back into the <laughs> matrix. But yeah, so that's where you get that do. Tron experience. Exactly, exactly, dude. Tron, such a. Did he get sucked up into the arcade, or did he walk into a portal from the arcade? I don't remember. No, he got sucked into it somehow he got sucked into it like okay. vacuum cleaner got digitized style. yeah oh yeah right. digitized. digitized yeah it was a yeah, dyson yeah. vacuum just sucked him up the power <laughs> of the dyson vacuum 
All right. All right. So you have a lot of stuff to go over. Do you want to go over the one thing that I want to talk about first? Well, you talk about your one thing, then we'll talk about the thing that we played together, and then I'll finish off talking about the rest of my games. Sounds good. Okay. So uh, if you've listened to previous episodes, it's been probably a couple weeks or at least a month from uh, previously that I talked about. I started playing It Takes Two uh, with Spikes. Uh, we beat That's that. That's the game from the uh, F the Oscars guy, isn't it? Yes. He it's also the game made the from Get I, Out. Joseph Ferris, I believe his name is. Yeah. Yeah. He made yeah, yeah. he made uh, t- uh, Tale of Two Brothers and Get Out, and now he made It Takes Two. Literally, the guy yeah. loves co-op games, so he's kind of like. My spirit He's animal. He's co-op king for he, sure. He is the co-op king. And uh, so after playing It Takes Two, it's basically about a uh, couple that's about to go through a divorce and they get turned into little dolls and you go through uh, different levels to try to like get them to, you know, save their relationship pretty much. It's the gist yeah. of the story. Um, that is, it, it is one of the games that I've beaten. I've almost, I'm almost at 30 for the year of games I've beaten. That's crazy. And Congrats. Yeah. And it took about it took Spike Knight about eleven hours to beat, and this is the highest rated game that I have all year so far. Wow, so that's I get, crazy! So I gave it a ninety eight out of a hundred. Did it come out this year, or did it come out last year? Uh, I it came out this year in like March. Okay, yeah. Oh, maybe that'll be that. <laughs> yeah, that'll be that. <laughs> um, yeah, this game was uh, absolutely fantastic. There wasn't any point in the game that I felt the pacing was off. Every every chapter introduced a new mechanic. So as soon as you start getting comfortable with the mechanic, it kind of gets taken away, and then you start with something completely different. Okay. But, the, but it didn't feel bad, and they didn't overload you. It was like each level is like one type of mechanic, and you kind of right. get good at that, do puzzles and stuff, and then you kind of move on did to it, the next part. Did it Zelda you at the end where you combine all of your powers that you've learned together? Mm-hmm. Shocking, yeah. Shockingly enough, and not to spoil anything, but no, it... The ending was really good. Uh, you know, kind of okay. kind of what you would expect from what you told me, you know, the story. But uh yeah. yeah, there's a lot of moments in the game where you're like either like wow or you're like okay, that's kind of crazy that they put this in this game. Um, but yeah, spikes basically it pretty much would be 100 out of 100. Um, there wasn't really wow. anything there wasn't really anything I could find wrong with it. I gave a 98 because to me, it's not like the perfect, perfect game, but it's about as close to perfect as it can be. That's crazy. Yeah. Holy crap. A 98 for you is insane. Yeah, a 98 (laughs) is really high because at first I was like, this is honestly like a 95 to me because we enjoyed every moment we played of it. And Spikes and I were like, I didn't know because it's like a lot of platforming stuff and he's terrible at platforming. And <laughs> so he was dying a lot. I was dying a lot. It was, it was, uh, it was a good experience. And it's, I have to say, probably in my top three, maybe top five, top like co op experiences I've had playing anything ever okay. in my life. That's, so that's good. That's a, Congrats to him, man. I, yeah. It really seems like he's been honing his craft of co op games. Oh yeah. Considering this is his third one. Made me it made and me it's just props to him. Made me really excited for whatever he does in the future. Because yeah. Yeah, every everything in that game plays off of each other in like the perfect way. To where there's some sections where you're going through like a Diablo Path of Exile esque like ARPG for a little while. It's just crazy. Like the how they changed up everything and how it flowed, it just felt really good. Like it that's really cool. fun, really cool mechanics. The environments were beautiful. Like they they did an amazing job. Yeah. All right. Good for so them. let's go on with what we've 
been playing sort of a little bit yeah we we played a little bit together but mostly our time was separate mostly Mm -hmm. mine yeah (laughs) because you haven't really played it yeah but back for blood came out and it came out two or three days ago i think as of recording days ago as of recording yeah and it is straight up just left for dead three it is it is literally left for dead three it should be called back three blood back three blood (laughs) so bad (laughs) Uh, I was talking to to Monkey from the Discord the other day, I think in in voice chat, and I'm like, dude, this is straight up Left 4 Dead. I don't think they did any mechanics differently than Left 4 Dead. Like, and, and it's not a bad thing, right? It's a straight up copy and paste of Left 4 Dead with things added on top of it, mm-hmm. right? And so it, I mean, it makes the game good. I, yeah. You start off with one of the best, like base games you could start off with right yeah exactly it's very basic but it's a zombie shoot 'em up game right yeah literally, <laughs> it's yeah. a first person zombie horde game where your objective is to get to the other safe room mm-hmm. and along the way you encounter special zombies and hordes and you have to like avoid uh triggering the horde to come and, and whatnot and sometimes there's some side objectives like oh rescue a few people and walk them to yeah. the safe house or hey you have to blow up a, a train or whatever and i think it was it lagging that was complaining about left for dead where he's he doesn't like the formula for left for dead because you know there may be a van that's blocking your way and he's complaining that you can't just jump over the van yeah <laughs> yeah probably. it is very much those scenarios where it's there's a a, a clear uh there's an obstacle in your way and there's a clear way that if it was not a video game, you could get over that obstacle, but because it's there and it's a video game, but you have to do something to move Mm -hmm. that object out of the way. Yeah. It it is definitely like that. Like I said, it's a copy and paste of the left for dead formula, but it's fun. Mm -hmm. Like every single day when I get home, I'm, I'm excited to see who's online so that I can play back for blood. Okay. And, I mean, that's not bad, but it's, it's also I'm not screaming from the rooftops that this game is amazing. Okay, so let's get one one thing across right now. Uh, if you are wanting to play this game, if you're a Left 4 Dead fan, please, please, please just get Game Pass. It does work yeah. on Game Pass. So far, so good. It works yep. on Game Pass. I have not had any issues with Game Pass, adding friends, playing with them. We We all crashed mm-hmm. yesterday at one point, but that was after playing may, maybe like eight hours of of back for blood okay before i got a crash and it's pretty much like when one person crashes in the game everybody else crashes because i think it was like a logic error okay so well and that's the thing too is like the game is 60 dollars on steam don't buy it for 60 dollars. that's basically my point it's not it's not it's not a 60 dollar game i think even by the winter sale like i'm i'm gauging it's going to be 20 to 30 percent off Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm assuming it it'll be a, around $40 and like yeah, at 40 or 45 bucks, bucks to, maybe. To, yeah. To buy it on Steam, I think that's an okay price tag for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Left 4 Dead back in the day was only 40 bucks. No, it's 45. It's 45 bucks. 45. Sorry. Yeah. So, so even that game knew it didn't have enough content to yeah. warrant $60. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Back for Blood in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't played it enough. The the bones of it I mean, if the developers are like, oh, it's not Left 4 Dead 3, I'm like, okay. Like, I don't I don't think they're <laughs> saying that because that's where they're trying to get all their revenue from is the people that are fans of, I mean, their previous game, right? That's right. Literally, Left 4 <laughs> yeah, Dead is their, is their game. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I don't know. I like the the one thing I have to say, and I don't know if it's a pro or a con yet, is that the missions are a lot shorter because they broke them up they into are. parts. So it's like, hey, yeah. you're gonna go do chapter one. It's like four parts and they're like ten minute segments where it's like, hey, you're going from safe house to safe house. And to me, from a gameplay perspective, that kind of makes sense if you're literally just going from like to a safe house to a safe house. That way, also, if you're like, hey, I only have 30 minutes, okay, we can play one or two of these parts of the chapter right. and then right. be done. And that's fine. Okay, cool, whatever. Because that is the one downside of even playing like regular Left 4 Dead or Left 4 Dead 2 is that it's like, hey, you got to commit to playing for like 30 to 45 minutes to play one of these right. chapters, you know? Right. So yeah, that's true. I I could I'll, I could also see the other side of somebody complaining that the mission structure is a little bit too short. Yeah, because it is definitely short, but it does break it up into sections, like you said, so that mm-hmm. it's like, hey, we can do one or two sections on like, say, we're playing on the hardest difficulty. Mm-hmm. That way, it splits up the time commitment of like, hey, yeah. we're playing on the hardest difficulty. We're dying constantly. It is technically only supposed to be a 10 minute mission, but because yeah. we're playing on the hardest difficulty, it's 30 minutes long. Yeah. You know, so it it makes sense. I I don't mind it. It's not the worst mission yeah. design. It is definitely just a little jarring mm-hmm. because the one mission is literally you go into a building, you go up to the rooftop, you go down, you cross mm-hmm. a board onto another building, you go down that building, and then the safe house is basically and you're right like, there. Okay, what just you're happened? Like, I, I traveled a a grand total of two buildings. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and there's like, the there's the next safe house. It's a little jarring, but it's not bad. Well, and that's the thing too, is that I mean, if you were in a zombie apocalypse, maybe that was a big moment, you going from like right. two oh, yeah, buildings yeah, yeah. over. That's true. You know what I mean? If you're thinking it from that perspective, not just like a gameplay perspective, it's like, hey, yeah. we're bunkered in here. Lore perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Back for blood lore. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's yes. like, wow, we survived the horde. Even though we only went two buildings, we were going to yeah. run out of food there. Or, you know, whatever the circumstances yeah. are. I think it would be interesting if they added for the chapters. If if you say you put on the highest difficulty, if you could queue up, say, hey, we're going to play chapter four all the way through in one go. Right. So maybe you get to that safe house and instead of like loading whatever, you get to the safe house and it's like, OK, you have one minute to buy get supplies yeah. whatever and then continue that would be cool so you have that like, would be really cool I, to make I it like, like that challenge more. mode i guess where it's like you have a timer you can't just sit in here forever or whatever it's like you gotta go i i would like that a lot more actually yeah and i think that that's something that literally could be like patched in that's not even uh right oh yeah anything. like a new game plus yeah exactly so like hey you beat the yeah. game you i mean it's like you beat the game you want a harder difficulty a more challenging mode there you go yeah yeah that would be cool all right all right sweet so other games that i've played besides back for blood uh one of those is rift breaker and i'm only going to talk about this quickly because it it just launched today i actually thought the game launched next week because i watched a video earlier last week and it must have been a week old video that i didn't notice <laughs> uh, and they were talking about how uh, rift breaker was coming out next week and so i was like oh sweet that's the game that i've been like mm-hmm. waiting for and i the release date has been pushed weird around for me. i've been pushed around a bunch has it okay because yeah. i i it's been, could never really figure out when the game was launching it honestly until until they announced it until actually microsoft announced it being a day one game pass game they didn't have a release yeah. date it was just okay it was just like q3 q4 of this year and it was supposed okay. to be um i think it's supposed to be late last year and then it was gonna like go into early access all this stuff and they're like now nah, we're just gonna push it until release okay yeah so it's well, hey, it's I had mean, a tumultuous like release date situation right yeah 
with all that being said, the game has launched. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And when I booted it up, I was immediately greeted with 2009-esque storytelling and like gameplay game design. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it definitely feels like an older game in that aspect, but it's that's not a bad thing, right? Yeah. When I booted this game up, pretty much like what you see in the trailers is the game, right? Yeah. You're you are it's it controls like a twin stick shooter mm-hmm. where on PC, you know, WAC moves the character and then the mouse like moves where you're aiming and it's from a top down perspective. Yeah. And you're dropped onto a planet. I don't it's I'm guessing it's procedurally generated. Uh, and then you basically have to set up a base mine resources kind of like you do in starcraft Mm -hmm. and build up the perimeter and build up your defenses and basically grow your base build more and more bigger uh like projects Mm -hmm. and research a bunch of stuff just like in starcraft you have like a whole you have a three uh three researching tiers of base building your character Mm -hmm. and then weapons and stuff like that or something like that it it's it's fun man it's i played for maybe three hours today Mm -hmm. and I didn't really want to put it down, but I had yeah. to do something pr- productive today. <laughs> so, hey, that's productive. It, that's research for the show. True, that's true. That's how we get. That's how we can get away with stuff. It's like <laughs> I've played 100 hours of New World for the show. It's like for the you, show. It's like, but you didn't even talk about it. It's like, oh, hey, I played New World also, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it definitely feels like an older game but mm-hmm. i'm okay with that yeah. because it's a new experience to me and it it's still fun the biggest disappointment that i had with the game is the settings menu it's, it's pretty like, lackluster it's, it's the resolution that you want uh anisotropic filtering three ray tracing settings and that's it okay it basically it is not that this changes anything but it is a 30 dollar game and i believe it's the studio's first game that they made it's okay. not a triple A or double A, or I think it's an indie developer. It's their first game. From what I from what I know. Maybe not publisher, but the developer. Let me know if this makes sense to you. It feels like a 2009 AAA game. Okay. Does that make sense to you? A lot of people would say that games in 2009 are better than what comes out today. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Okay. So that well, might be a fair It's comparison. on Game Pass. Yeah. So it did it technically didn't cost me anything. Yeah. And it's single player only. It mm-hmm. seems like it, I think they have co-op they, planned in the. They future. are trying to add implement co-op because I feel like that yeah. co-op that's, that's co-op a, would be chef's kiss. That's it. You game and right I, because remember I told you last week I was like, dude, Rift Breaker comes out next week, yeah. and I was like, they've been talking about co-op, and I was like, I thought they were gonna do it with release. I was like, man, that sucks because this is like the co-op. I feel like this would be the closest thing to co-op game that Dakota and I could actually play together. It's like yes, yeah. part city <laughs> yeah. builder, part yeah. like resource gathering, like. Defending the base, tower defense, like a lot of different. Yeah, because I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I like most of my time in this game is just optimizing my base. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like if imagine if you play co-op, like, hey, I'm gonna go out, gather stuff, protect the base, yeah, kill everything. You just design the base and build it. It's like perfect because I don't like doing that. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I'm just like buildings yeah. over here, some over there. You're like, oh, this is a nightmare. <laughs> it's definitely it'll be a lot more fun in co-op but i'm having a lot of fun in single player mm-hmm. i'm going to play more of it i don't know if there's an end to the game i think because it's not i mean like the the end objective is to get off the planet mm-hmm. because you land on the planet you want to set up communications in a base so that other people can come in and colonize the mm-hmm. planet 
I don't know if that's the ending or not, because if it is the ending, I'm I already have the base mechanic built for the the end rift breaker teleporter. Yeah, I don't I don't to get me off planet. So I, I don't see what the I don't really know if there's an ending, but it's fun. So I wonder if it's like you beat a level and then you go to like a harder level or something. Yeah, maybe. I'm not uh, sure. I haven't played it. So f- I, I'm excited to play it though. Yeah, I would I would suggest uh playing it single player first. You know, download it now because you have Game Pass. Yeah. Download it, play it a little bit, and then we'll basically just wait for the co-op, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> but right. what the other game I'm going to be beating before Riftbreaker is Breathage. And this was one of the games that I downloaded about a month ago on Game Pass because Game Pass had updated and they added a bunch of new games like We Happy Few and, yeah, and Breathage. Yeah, it was a really good update. Mm-hmm. And so I just downloaded a bunch of games to like get ready to play them, right? We Happy Few, I played that. It's an interesting story, interesting gameplay. Not what I was expecting and not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not finishing that game. I've already uninstalled it. It's just it just didn't you. jive with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just didn't jive with me. And maybe I'll play it some other time. But I wasn't interested in it. And but in the back of my mind, I kept wanting to play breathage and mm-hmm. i kept telling myself no there's other games you need to play first but <laughs> i finally booted it up about a couple days, four ago. days ago yeah four or five days ago it was it was like i think it was actually the day after we recorded the last uh, uh, okay. add-in for the podcast and so i i booted it up then and holy crap this game is one of those games where you play it and it just breadcrumbs you to the next thing mm-hmm. constantly yeah. and you just lose time because every time you complete something there's a breadcrumb ready for another thing you want to complete and so you just start Keep doing that Keep going. and then you start doing the next one and start doing the next mm-hmm. one and so there have been moments when I play this game and I started at say four o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. and I look down at the clock and you know, I'm in Discord with you guys, and you're like, hey, let's play something. And I was like, well, I've been playing for a little bit. I looked down, and I've been playing for five hours. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, you know? no. I was like, oh, yikes. So, and this is one complaint that I have of Game Pass. I really, really wish it told me how long I've been playing the game, because I honestly think I've already put maybe 15 to 20 hours in Breathage. So, with that being said, before you continue, there technique there kind of is a way you can see it but i i haven't been able to get it to work for every game if you go look on on the xbox app if you go look for the achievements if the game has achievements uh like when i played 12 minutes it showed me time played and achievements and how many achievement points i got so it but like flynn son of crimson the other game i played it didn't tell me like there there was no option for it so it's like it's just a microsoft xbox app thing where it's like I don't understand. Bad, it's bad like, software, great service. Just this is, I don't not. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I'm like, guys, Steam literally exists. It's the biggest platform. Just do that. That's it. Just That's copy all it. you have to do. <laughs> like every, you know, people be like, oh, what are they gonna say? Oh, Xbox is just straight rip of Steam. Good. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a compliment. Maybe people will like your service. That's a compliment <laughs> that you're saying that. That's not an insult. Yeah. Be like, oh, thanks. Wow. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So yeah, Breathage, it's a it's a first person, like it's very hard to categorize, right? It's a I would say it's a first person survival story game. But the survival aspect is more akin to I would say Astroneer, the game we couldn't play. No, no. <laughs> a, a little bit like Resident Evil 8. 
Okay. And Resident Evil 7, right? But those are completely different games. That's <laughs> yeah. survival horror, right? Yeah. But it kind of is that way, where the experience is guided, right? It's mm-hmm. a little linear. Yeah. Like, actually, it's pretty linear. But they give you enough freedom to complete tasks in whatever way you want to, mm-hmm. because if you want, you can grind out materials and like explore around your area before you go to the next task mark, right? Mm-hmm. Or task marker. And you can grind it out and like get upgrades and stuff before that so you can explore even more. And it's, it is literally just breadcrumbs constantly of, hey, here's the next upgrade. Hey, there's this thing that you can see out in the open. And the whole thing is that you crash landed into an asteroid belt mm-hmm. and you're trying to get the means to escape that asteroid belt. So there's like just constant debris littered throughout this asteroid belt that you need to go from you know, one habitation with, with oxygen to the next habitation with oxygen, right? So it's like and s- first person rift breaker? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, you said, not hey, you're trying, to, you're trying to get off this Astro Belt, rift breaker. You're trying to get off this planet by gathering resources on all these places. Yeah. <laughs> They're nothing alike. <laughs> They're nothing alike. Um, but yeah, it's like, it. it's just a really awesome breadcrumb trail of, just constant stuff to do and okay. i i watched a couple reviews when it had first it first came out because i believe it launched in early access mm-hmm. i believe so. like a year or two ago and a lot of people that i had watched said that it was not the game that they expected or wanted but so far i'm engaged with it okay right because it does have we happy few elements where we happy few is linear but also open enough that you can complete tasks in whatever way you want it seems like yeah and then this game also feels like that but because you're stranded in space and you have to constantly watch your oxygen meter it's it's a survival horror aspect in that way of hey my oxygen literally dictates how far i can go away from my habitation base and i have to like find materials and upgrades and and whatnot to make my oxygen tank and my jetpack allow me to go even further into the asteroid belt to yeah. like pick up materials and stuff. And it's just, it's such a perfect formula that they've crafted so far. Hmm. Like I said, I'm like 15 to 20 hours in, and I'm sure you can speed run this way faster. Yeah. Right. But so far, the pace that I'm going at of, you know, like I said, like mm-hmm. breadcrumbing yourself to the yeah. next thing, it's, it's awesome. I'm not tired of it. I'm excited to go back and play it. I was literally playing it five minutes before we started recording because <laughs> I was waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's really good. Uh, this is definitely my type of game, probably because it's got the space aspect to it. Um, but I it's on Game Pass, so I highly suggest checking it out. See if it's your thing. Okay. That's after Rift Breaker, Back for Blood thousand more hours of new world i'll definitely check out Breath oh Edge. dude all three of those are on game pass mm-hmm. yeah game pass oh, has man. been killing it lately like the past it month has. game pass has added a ton of good stuff and yeah. then they've also probably deleted stuff that no one played at least i didn't yeah, i didn't that's know true. That. but well, uh, then they, again yeah they did take stuff off i don't really use game pass that much to like I, there's only i think flynn might be the only game i've actually beat on game pass most but is, have you tried oh, no, 12, a lot of stuff on oh, Game Pass? Okay, no, sorry. Omno and 12 Minutes I beat. Those are both Game Pass games. Yeah, I beat at exactly, least three. Yeah. yeah, it's like perfect for single playing single-player games. Like, literally it is. It It is perfect for that, yeah. 
It's like uh, Gamefly, but digital. <laughs> oh my god, Gamefly! <laughs> <laughs> it's like Blockbuster, except uh, digital. Yeah. All right. Yikes. Are you ready to hop into this? Ready yeah, to... we'll go back to Gamefly's inception in 1980. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About the hop into where they mail you your games they mail you your atari et cartridge you're like i'm so hey i guys, love it i love et can't wait to just play a it. nostalgia check netflix started out mailing dvds to you yeah just let that sink in they're not gonna mail vhs tapes too expensive we can't do it <laughs> they're too heavy <laughs> too heavy <laughs> there's some there's some guy at the post office is a magnet just laughing oh <laughs> i was just thinking about that that'd be such a dick move uh all right so we're gonna jump into uh PC games history lesson part two electric boogaloo. <laughs> uh Dakota doesn't really know what we're talking about because I did all the notes. Uh so this should be exciting for him. And he wasn't alive yeah. yet. I was only alive at the very last year of this. So it's also gonna be exciting for me because uh there's a lot of stuff going on in here and i told dakota i was like there's 20 pages of show notes and he's like oh dear god that is way too many and i was like well i did put a lot lot, i did put a lot of pictures so he could be entertained while i'm just talking for the next hour and a half now he put pictures for me because hi i'm dakota i'm 26 (laughs) and i never learned how to read (laughs) that way that way whenever we uh say really cool quotes like these graphics are dazzling you can be like they're not Yeah, we can actually (laughs) describe them to you yeah exactly so um I think once we, I think the next one of these that we do when we get into the 90s, it's you're going to be more familiar. We'll get into like the Dooms oh, and yeah. Quakes and stuff like that. And me too, yeah, like yeah. games that I, that I, you know, know about. But the crazy thing is, is that there's so much stuff in here. And I basically kind of preface this episode. I pretty much try to pull two games from each year. And okay. I pulled them for specific reasons because they did something new or they're like, this right. is the first game of a franchise that still exists today. Right. You right. know what I mean? So it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't really need to talk about that. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the game that started all of this that we still use in all of our games today. I'm like, oh, geez, I have like how I can't like skip that, <laughs> especially for, uh, you know, PC stuff. So, yeah, uh, let's see. So basically, I did want to say <laughs> one thing. Uh, this isn't going to be a completely comprehensive history of every single game from this genre. And I also wrote in here, I'm sorry to Toluvius and Croft, I don't mention your favorite games from this decade. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> sorry to throw you guys under the bus right there. And one thing that I want to say, because I know when we did the last uh, PC History lesson, that was episode 84, by the way. If you're interested and if you haven't heard that one yet, I suggest going back and listen to that. Uh, I did a really good job. With the notes. <laughs> I can't even say that. I can't even say that seriously. No, I think that's pretty good, and that kind of will get you in the mindset of how this is going to go. If you want to listen to that one, it's episode eighty-four. Um, that one I did spend a little bit more time talking about the video game crash. It's kind of hard not to talk about the video game crash because that kind of changed the entire market to think that PC gaming yeah. was actually viable. Because before yeah. that, it was just arcades and basically Atari like dominating everything. Um, so the only thing that I'm really going to talk about this time, uh, that you'll see is a reoccurring, uh, issue is copyright protection because Ah. boy, oh boy, uh, it's something we're still piracy a thing. Yeah. Not, not (laughs) only that, but it's something that we literally are still dealing with de nouveau DRM stuff that is literally completely bricking games. Um, 
there are a lot of developers that did some really cool tricks in their these older games to uh, battle piracy, like putting yeah. codes in the manuals or like having specific stuff. So I did, uh, and we'll kind of go through it as we're going through the games. When I saw something that I personally thought was cool, I wrote it in here so we can kind of go over it. It's like, all right, you little <laughs> tricky, tricky devils. I see you. <laughs> and it's like, it's also funny that for people in like the late 80s, they had better copyright protection than some companies do now. <laughs> yeah. So that is pretty cool. All right. So we're going to jump right into our time machine and go back to 1985. We're going to Babbage's GameStop. I don't think that existed. We're going to like Toys R Us, I think, at this point to buy some. Yeah, to- Toys R Us. To, yeah. to buy some PC games. I don't uh, Was H.H. Greg a thing back then? H.H. Greg? I don't even know who that is. Was that a store? Uh, yeah, it's a store. Oh. It's a, like an electronic store that was up ah, here. Ah, well. So no, it was not a thing. We're going apparently. to Radio Shack, boys. To go. Oh my God, Radio Shack. <laughs> going to Radio- Let's go. <laughs> Radio Shack. So the first game that we're going to talk about is The Bard's Tale. Which actually is uh they just somewhat recently put that on Game Pass. Like all oh, like <laughs> one, two, and three, and I think four like kind of like remastered versions. They just put it on Game Pass like really oh, wow. recently. So uh Bard's Tale is a fantasy role playing game, uh programmed by a guy named Michael Cranford for the Apple II, because Apple One wasn't powerful enough for Whoa. the Bard's Tale. Uh and it was produced by a company called Interplay Productions, which you may have heard of. I have heard of them. And it was distributed by Electronic Arts because they were already scamming people all the way back in 1985. Big brain boys. As they do. You Sometimes know, it do be like you know that. How to, you know how to make sure we never sell out? Complain about EA in every episode. <laughs> Been complaining about EA for 40 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Bard's Tale is basically like uh, pretty much just like a straight dungeon crawler. But it has mm-hmm. a couple of really cool features that I want to talk about before uh, we go on to some of these other games. Um, is it text-based? No, no, no. So if you scroll down a little bit, you can kind of see it's it's not really text-based. Actually, the picture on here is pretty funny because you can name your characters whatever, and the guy's named his character Gandalf, which is pretty <laughs> <laughs> pretty smart. It's Gandalf, Balin, and then like and then like Monkey Two is one of his characters' name is Monkey Two. Nice. Shout Peter out Peter Jackson. Sh- Peter Jackson, uh, Lord of the Rings didn't even come out yet. Oh, yeah, no, but Peter Jackson also did I mean, King Kong. <gasps> oh, did he really? Yeah, he directed oh, yeah, King he did. Kong, dude. This guy's yeah, the Oracle. True. He knows all of Peter Jackson's future <laughs> right here. I mean, technically, that screenshot could have been taken after those movies came out. Yeah. Okay. This is true. This is true. I don't know. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to do some more digging to figure that out. But the game is older than those yeah, movies. The game so. is way older than that movie. So it's basically your your kind of straight dungeon crawler. And if you listen to uh, our last episode, this is whenever like wizardry, the Ultima games are starting to get really popular. Dungeon crawlers are blowing up. D and D is also blowing up. Like everybody's like, oh my god, fantasy role playing stuff is super awesome. So one thing that was really cool in a bard cell, and I honestly don't even know how they did this. Uh, Wizardry and Ultima are kind of the neck and neck big big boy games of of this time period, right? So yeah. if you played the Bard's Tale, and I'm not sure if it was in the Apple II, I think it was more of like the Commodore 64 thing. You can actually, if you made a character in Wizardry or Ultima Three, you could actually import those characters into the Bard's Tale. I don't even Did know 
how that's did possible. Did the same company make those other no, two? No, they did not. So <laughs> that's a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, and we're gonna scan your floppy drive to make sure that you haven't played these other games. But if you have, yeah, you can import your character. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe maybe EA had something to do with that. If EA distributed them, I don't remember. Maybe. Um, but I, I saw that and I was like, wow, it's that is cool. really cool. And I've never heard of any game doing that since, <laughs> basically. I mean, there there are some games where if you end the last game in a uh-huh. certain way yeah. and it and it can see those files on your PC yeah. or your Xbox or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it will start the next game off based off your ending. Yeah. I have seen that. I think mm-hmm. Mass Effect did that. No, no. I've seen that, but not from a completely different franchise. No, that is definitely yeah. that's like pretty insane. That's like, hey, I I got to level one hundred in Battlefield. Now I'm gonna be level one hundred in Call of Duty. That's how crazy yeah, that's that is. Little. Yeah, yeah, and like maybe because they're all like have the same basic characters and role playing aspects, whatever. But the fact that it's not just one other major franchise; it's both that you can literally two, import yeah. your characters into it and just be like, oh, I'm just gonna continue where I left off in a completely different game. I don't, I don't know if that. I I think it might just means importing your character. So that it makes the character similar to, and that and that it could be because it didn't really go into it. It's just I saw that yeah. and that was like not like a red flag, but I was the like, technology did not exist. Well, I mean, yeah, think, <laughs> but even though characters back then were probably like eight bits or like a, a bit, right? So it could have yeah. been maybe it's just like three pixels. We're like, yeah, we got you, fam. Right. Don't it just carries over the name. Yeah, basically, Gandalf <laughs> is still Gandalf. Big brain. Yeah, I was like, okay, that is pretty crazy, and that does make it stand out because. You know, with wizardry and ultimate stuff, that those are like the huge games. So if you're like, "Hey yeah. guys, you know it's also a great game, the one that we made," and you can just keep playing your character in a new adventure, people are like, "Oh, that's probably pretty." No, cool. it's definitely a good marketing. It's tactic. like super yeah, big brain, even if it doesn't really do much. <laughs> so uh, basically, innovations that that uh, they had in this game was makes sense because it's called uh, the Bard's Tale. Is that a innovation to the genre was having an actual bard as part of your group so a bard could play songs like you know the thing is nowadays yeah. you're like oh yeah it's a bard like that's Toss pretty a coin to your yeah witcher. yeah exactly <laughs> um so they didn't really have bards you know it's basically warrior mage like you're pretty cookie cutter yeah. like stuff all right? the cool ones yeah so having a bard this was like the first iteration of actually having a bard that would sing songs and actually give buffs to your party and to your characters and that's cool and nowadays it's like oh that's pretty standard like if you're like oh, i'm playing a bard like oh you're the buffer yeah. like that's just like synonymous yeah. <laughs> but this is basically yeah. the reason that that happened is because of this series and i mean let's be honest though in today's it's like hey you sing a song and then you all show bash goblins yeah. with the end of your guitar yeah exactly <laughs> so the end of your trumpet is spiked <laughs> yes true so uh, one thing that was cool is that there are a bunch of puzzles in the game that if you neglect your bard, they're literally unsolvable. Like you have to have the bard songs, oh, wow. the different songs to actually solve the puzzles. And and he also played uh, some musical, which was classical, like regular actual, like, you know, copyright free <laughs> classical music and some yeah. original songs. Uh, this game on Commodore 64 was given a Sizzler Award. Why can't we review games like this anymore? <laughs> I'm giving you a Sizzler award because this game is hot. Yeah, you get the s- spicy award. Yeah, the spicy award. 
And that was by Zap64 Magazine. Why do you not exist anymore, Zap? In my, <laughs> you exist in my heart. Exist Probably because they put the the number 64 in their title. That is true. So uh, Bard's Tale became very successful, becoming, it says the best-selling computer RPG, but I'm going to say one of them because they're definitely Ultima and Wizardry are in yeah. here. Uh, so it yeah. became one of the best-selling RPGs of the 80s, and it sold over 400,000 copies. Which is nice, good for which is still big nowadays. If your game, if you have That's an indie great. game or something, or your first game, and you sell four K copies, you're like, all right, cool, thanks, Epic Game Store. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're moving on to a game that you have probably heard but have never seen, and it is called "Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego." So this San Diego. have you have you ever heard of "Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego"? I, yes, I have heard of it. I have no you idea. You don't know what reference. it is, but you've heard of no. you've heard it before, yeah. right? Someone, yeah. someone in your life at some period, because it was like a pretty popular cartoon and stuff for a while. When when yeah. I when I was younger, when I was a wee lad, a wee yeah. lad. I just figure it's an old person movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not that at all. So, uh, Carmen San Diego was actually a game developed, uh, developed as an ed- as kind of an educational game. And they're like, hey, we want to make we they made basically the company made a game that was kind of like it, but it didn't really do too well. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we're going to make a new game. And some nerd at the company was like, why don't we base it around geography? And they're like, oh, and then and then obviously people threw staplers and stuff at him because like geography. And and then he was like, no, 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 (laughs) hear me out. Hear me out. Everyone's like, okay, let's stop throwing staplers at him. And he's like, we're going to distribute it with the World Almanac. And book of facts, and they're like, and then they continue to throw staplers and stuff at him. Obviously, huh? Yeah, you fell oh, asleep. I'm sorry, I fell asleep. What a terrible idea! <laughs> so, so actually, why it sounds like a terrible idea, uh, it was not because this was like a massive success. This is, uh, as you will see in just a second. So basically, the whole premise of uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego is you are, uh. You are a member of Acme, like cartoon Acme, kind of, and you are looking... ACME, okay. Yeah, and you are trying to find the leader of Vile. It's like villain something, something League of Evil or something like that. <laughs> and I forgot to look up what the actually Vile stands for. Something evil, League of Evil, villains. And uh, you're trying to find the big boss, which is Carmen San Diego. Basically, the whole thing is you are solving puzzles like they'll show you a picture as you can scroll down and see and then they'll ask you what it is like a geography question and then you have the world almanac and you have a book of facts so you can try to find stuff and it kind of correlates with the actual book so you can look up answers in the book and that is how i love the fact that they thought you could figure out what the image is from a grand total of about 300 pixels Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this <laughs> find this picture in your book. <laughs> yeah. So what's cr- wow? People, that's so strange that people thought a Where's Waldo game is like popular. I'm dude. It's it's crazy though because, uh, pretty much what you're supposed to do is they like show you somewhere and you're supposed to solve it, right? But you're like the cool thing is like you start as like a really low rank in this Acme thing, and as you go fight these like track down these like villains because they're like all thieves or whatever 
as you track down these people because basically what they're doing is they're going around the world stealing like artifacts like oh we stole the yeah. crown jewels from london and blah 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 yeah and as you as you track them down and capture them you rank up and then as it's basically just like prestiging and like call of duty or yeah. something right yeah yeah you're leveling up yeah, it's just yeah. far cry basically more of the world of cigars <laughs> is far cry it's basically Far Cry. But the crazy thing is a form of uh, copyright protection, some of the questions you'd answer, you could only find in the Almanac. So if you pirated the game, you would just be stuck and like locked out of the game. Oh, wow. So literally like... Because there was no internet back yeah, then Yeah, because the internet... The, find out the answers. Call grandma. Hey, do you remember when you were in Egypt? Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what that guy's name was? Yeah. His name was Pedro, and I believe he was your grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's actually crazy. So uh, the game actually wasn't, I was incorrect. The game actually wasn't intended to be an educational game. They just thought it'd be a cool, like, okay, I don't know. This is where it doesn't make sense. This is where you lose me. Hey, we're going to make a game about hunting down criminals. Okay, cool. But it's mostly geography questions. All right. How is that not an educational game? I don't know what their, <laughs> what your plan was. It's it's like those stupid flash games that you mm-hmm. you were allowed to play at school. Yeah, exactly. So. Basically, uh, you go around, solve puzzles, and all this. But the thing that made this blow up is that schools got a hold of this, and they're like, wow, kids are getting really good at geography, because who would have thought kids (laughs) like playing video games? So crazy. Yeah. Uh, So the sales outside of schools were, like, horrible. Like, no one played this game, because this is, like, a terrible video game. Oh, wow. Schools were the ones that were buying uh it? Uh-huh. So some schools started getting a hold of it, and, like, entire school districts would buy it. So this game came out in 1985, but within 10 years, by 1995, it had sold over 4 million copies. This making it one of wow. one still to this day one of the most successful PC games of all time. It's like I think it's in like the top 25. It's crazy. <laughs> That's pretty insane. And even to the point where a game that came out what 10 years before you were born yeah. is still something synonymous that you hear. That you've that you have heard without knowing anything about this game, you have heard where yeah. in the world is Carmen San Diego. Yeah, and uh, what's funny is that I just love the fact that like schools were picking this up and they're like, yeah, let's add it to our curriculum mm-hmm. or whatever, and like <laughs> they they never actually played the game, and in the middle of the game, one of the questions is. Where the F is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> or in the or in like the middle of the game, you like capture somebody and you just execute him. You're like, ah, oh, it's educational. It's teaching you about the the war crimes. Yeah, it's teaching you about <laughs> war crimes. Exactly. So I do have a couple of fun facts. The reason I want to shout this out, other than the fact that literally pretty much you could ask anybody that's over the age of 25 and they've heard the phrase yeah. where in the world is Carmen San Diego. And it became yeah. It actually made educational games somewhat valid because it got so popular and to the point, not because it wasn't supposed to be an educational game, even though it kind of was realistically. Yeah, it it I think it kind of changed the perspectives of a lot of schools that, hey, video games aren't just, you know, Pong and Pac-Man or whatever. Right. You right. can use them as a resource for education. Right. In yes. in some degrees, in some degrees. Right. I'd rather have Minecraft at school. True. I mean, Minecraft would be actually like, they probably have Minecraft in school already. They do. They have Minecraft educational version. Yeah. That's that you're allowed to play at school for some reason. Yeah. It's like, okay. They're like, just shut up. I'm eating my lunch. 
I drew. I made a giant penis out of rock. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you're going, this is biology class. Going so. to detention <laughs> straight away. <laughs> so I do have a couple of fun facts uh, about where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Uh, in the early draft name. Oh, huh? I forgot to also say. Um, if you listen to the games we played about, Breathage, literally the first thing it tells you to build is a giant metal penis. Nice. So the game doesn't take itself very seriously. Okay. And a lot of the people you find like that are floating around dead mm-hmm. are in very strange predicaments. <laughs> so hey, space. there's a lot of people who died on toilets and there's a lot of people who like some dude was like handcuffed to his bed <laughs> and he was impaled by a lamp that was in the room oh, <laughs> when it blew up. <laughs> jeez, Louise. And then and you pull a condom off of him and you use that to build an oxygen tank. Oh. Like, so it's PG-13. So it's PG it's 13, a fun game. A little. It's PG-13. Maybe rated R. Yeah. Maybe rated R. Yeah. So let's get talked about. Let's, let's get back to talking about this educational game for children. <laughs> Dakota, good segue. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm <laughs> glad talking about educational games in school made me randomly think of giant penises and condoms. <sighs> well, not that our episodes are, are have ads or monetized, but this episode would be demonetized <laughs> if it was. All right, let's talk about some fun facts of Carmen St. Diego. Uh, in the early draft named World Quest, to be based upon the World Almanac and the Book of Facts, the villain was a demented and fabulously wealthy former professor named Professor Esteban Devious. <laughs> Oh my god! Which is so on the nose. It's amazing. Where in the world is Esteban Devious? <laughs> yes, he's twirling his mustache. Obviously, <laughs> yes. I am demented and fabulously wealthy. My name is Professor Esteban Devious, and what do I do? Devious things. Obviously, <laughs> I was like, oh man. So basically, Carmen San Diego was actually a uh, just like a sub, like mini boss, because they pretty much just picked out like a bunch of random names. And that one kind of stuck yeah. out, and they're like, oh, let's make it about a chick that's like, she's a lead villain and everything, and it'll be way cooler, because Esteban Devious sounds stupid as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that uh, that happened, because uh, the project manager of the game, Catherine Bird, latched onto the name, believing it captured something exotic and mysterious, naming the main, naming the main character Carmen Sandiego. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Every time I hear that, I think of where the heck is Carmen Diaz. And I'm like, ah, okay. Carmen or Cameron? Okay with that. Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Carmen Diaz. We have no idea Carmen who Carmen Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm trying to find them. So Catherine Bird, the project manager, uh, said she was described in the original game manual as an agent, double agent, triple agent, and quadruple agent in so many countries that even she has forgotten which one she's working for. I was like... So dumb. Yes. Yes, I'm evil because evil wins always. Yeah. But yeah, Carmen Sandiego, cool. Literally never played it. I used to watch the cartoon, and it's always like, Carmen Sandiego was like, hey, we're going to capture her. She's wearing a red trench coat. She looks like she works for Linux. And <laughs> and she always just like hops into like a random red helicopter and like takes off. And I was like, is that, I think John's in the helicopter flying. I'm pretty the, sure that's the Thanos copter. The th- <laughs> yeah, the chin. <laughs> the <big> chin. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, yeah, I think I said, too, that it sold over 4 million copies and it's still literally one of the greatest selling PC Congrats. games of all time. Congrats. That is insane. And there's somebody retired on Carmen Sandiego money. They're just on a red yeah. red yacht with Seriously. a big with a big trench coat. No, they they have a red Thanos copy. Ooh, now. exactly, exactly. All right, moving on to 1986. 
Have you ever heard of a little game called Space Quest One? Yes. Really? What do you? Yeah, yeah. I have. What do you know about Space Quest One? Uh, go into space with a quest. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. So, Space Quest is a graphic venture game uh, released in 1986 by Sierra Online. Ah, that's why I know it from Sierra. Sierra Online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is the first game in the Space Quest series. Uh, it quickly became a hit, selling in excess of 100,000 copies, I believe, in that, in I that think year. I Game Grumps did a series on this. It could have. When Danny was on there. It could have. So, basically, Space Quest was a kind of like a brainchild of the two creators that had worked on King's Quest. And King's yeah. Quest became a big thing from the same people. And they're like, hey, why don't we just do this in space? Because that's working hey, out. Hey, let's do this in space yeah. and name it Space Quest. Yeah, it's funny because it says here, it's like, yeah, they worked on King's Quest, but they had not designed a game of their own. So let's just straight rip our own stuff and just make it the <laughs> space version. Let me, yeah, let me look this up. So uh, Murphy, Scott Murphy and Mark Crow worked on this. And Murphy said, at the time, everything at Sierra was so somber and had an almost medieval atmosphere. So we decided... Oh yeah! Why not make? A I did watch a game. Grab- I did watch a gameplay uh, walkthrough of this. Okay, yeah, this, the first. They're one. like, why not make a fun, silly game? So that's basically what they what they did. So uh, this is one of those games that you are never actually told the hero's name. You actually mm-hmm. can put your own name in there, but the default name is Roger Wilco, which that kind of just like a lot of people ran with because they just thought, oh, the guy's name is Roger Wilco without realizing that you can yeah. change the name. <laughs> so they yeah. kind of just ran yeah. with it. And later on, with all the other games, the main character just kind of stayed Roger Wilco. Just kind of funny. Uh, so basically, the whole gist of the game is that you are on a spaceship, but you're the janitor. You're like the nobody on the spaceship. You're not, you're not Captain Kirk or Spock or anybody. You're just a janitor. And you fall asleep in a broom closet because you're just a lazy janitor, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you are basically on a ship with uh, something called a star generator which from reading is basically just straight ripped out of Star Trek II Wrath of Khan, which is pretty funny. <laughs> and that's one thing with this game you'll realize as I'm going through it is that literally every part of this Heavily game inspired. is just straight ripped from every sci-fi movie that came out in this era, which is pretty funny. If you do it enough, yeah. it's a parody. Exactly. Like Spaceballs. Exactly. Yeah. That's, hear this, kids. Mm-hmm. If you plagiarize enough, it's a parody. Exactly. If you only plagiarize a little bit, it's illegal. It's plagiarism. <laughs> it's called free speech. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, he falls asleep in a broom closet, and then he wakes up to find that the ship has been taken over by evil aliens. Uh, he ends. He ends up uh, able to escape. He finds like a key card off of a dead, like a dead crew member, and he takes a shuttle and ends up on Tatooine, or what they call Tatooine is like some desert planet that's definitely Tatooine. Um, so basically he finds like a little droid, has to do some random missions and stuff for him, and then he's gifted a hovercraft, which looks exactly like a land speeder <laughs> from Star Wars. <laughs> uh he travels to a place called uh Ulens Flats, which is basically a direct reference to Mos Eisley. Like this is like yeah. this is I'm telling you, like it's a straight rip of like everything Star Wars and Star Trek just mushed together. It's like these guys just yeah. watch this stuff way too much. Uh, and basically, he has to win enough money gambling to get off the planet. Uh, and then he, as the janitor, goes back, goes off the planet, gets to the bad guy's main ship, and like sets it up to self-destruct, almost like the Death Star sequence in the first Star Wars movie. Wow. 
<sighs> and I wrote on here, did these guys just watch too much sci-fi movies? The answer is yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> um, so if we made a sci-fi game, oh, what's it like? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wait. So what? which one's it like? Yes. 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 <laughs> uh, so this game was actually uh, created using Sierra's AGI engine and featured a pseudo 3D environment. And I know you said you've watched nah, a little bit of gameplay. Uh, so it actually has um, it actually has the ability to use the arrow keys to move your character and like front and back and side scroller because there's as point and click, huh? It's point and click. No, but you can move because there's different versions of the game. So there's some versions mm-hmm. that are just straight point and click. But yes, it mm-hmm. is a like point and click kind of adventure game. But you can actually it was kind of somewhat renowned because you could actually move your character up and down instead mm-hmm. of just a side scroller like a straight side scroller yeah <laughs> so the- yeah but it's basically a point and click all right shut the hell up we're moving on. <laughs> uh, so the game had a 160 by 200 resolution displaying Ooh. displaying all 16 colors <laughs> <laughs> all of them <laughs> um sound cards were not available in 1986 so sound was played through the pc's internal speaker like aliens <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like I'm not sure if that guy's talking to me or my hard drive is spinning. I'm not sure what's yeah. going on. My SCSI disk is having problems. Oh my god, my SCSI! I gotta blow off my SCSI disk. <laughs> my two megabyte hard drive is loading really slow. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, I guess I guess when we talked about all the uh, PC history, then when they talked about hard drives and stuff, but that's like so yeah. crazy. Oh, so P- owners of the Tandy One Thousand, the PC Junior, and Amiga computers would hear a three voice soundtrack while apple two gs owners were treated to a 15 voice soundtrack with notable notably notably richer sound obviously because it's an apple computer notably richer sound when the sound effects not i'm sorry not even sound effects when the amount of sounds you could hear was something that to write on the box (laughs) yeah can hear up to 15 sounds at the same time it's like the average battlefield player like oh my god 15 (laughs) so crazy yeah um so it's actually pretty funny so as a form of copy protection coordinates in the vga version of the game while in the escape pod as well as the rocket purchase at tiny's used spaceships are only found in the manual uh, also, the code for retrieving the cartridge aboard the arcade can only be found in the manual. So basically, there's like random checkpoints yeah. throughout the game where they're like, hey, did you steal this kid? And you're like, uh. <laughs> and then you're like, you don't type in the right code and the FBI just like kicks in your door, just tases <laughs> you and takes you away. <laughs> yes. The, your parents are like, yes, that's the criminal in there. Take him away. Yeah. <laughs> take him <laughs> away. Take him away. <laughs> Criminals. Scum. Rebels. Scum. <laughs> You rebel scab. Why is Grandpa Palpatine so mean? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, a couple of fun facts about the game. Uh, The game contains a number of characters which resemble musical acts and other popular characters in real life. Wow, I wonder which ones they're talking about. The owners of a couple, the owners of a couple, uh, complained that Sierra had used them without permission. Toys R Us, something that doesn't exist anymore in 2021. Complained yeah. about a robot named Droids R Us, <laughs> uh, which Sierra changed to Droids B Us. <laughs> They're like, checkmate. 
Um, and the remake adds a character which resembles the toys company mascot Jeffrey Giraffe. So basically, when they remade the game, they're kind of like a big f u to Toys R Us. They're like, whatever, we're adding Giraffe to our game. Listen, kids, <laughs> if you pl- if you plagiarize enough, yeah. it's a parody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's like a section where there's a kind of like rock band playing on this like mm-hmm. desert planet. So listen, to this. this is so do, dumb. Do, do, but do, do, like you've seen do, these do, graphics, do, do, right? Do, do. They just told us there's 16 yeah. colors and it's 160 by 200 resolution. So yeah. rock band ZZ Top complained that a band seen briefly on stage resembled them. I was like, guys, I'd okay. First off, it's 160. They enhanced the image, it's dude. Enhanced. They enhanced it. See those four <laughs> pixels? That's me. <laughs> I was like. 160 by 200 resolution and 16 colors, no sound. How do you even know it's you? Uh, it's yeah. like, all right, that's kind of a stretch there, ZZ Top. They're like, we're trying to get the news, brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're dying. Yeah. Our band is dying. We need to be. And this is in the 80s, so that's pretty rough because it's probably the height of their popularity. They obviously put us in their game, Space Quest. Obviously. One, obviously. It's like, these guys that only watch Star Wars and Star Trek probably have no idea who you are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're listening to synthesizer music, bro. What are you talking about? Um, They're listening to Daft Punk, Yeah, bro. exactly. Uh, so according to Sierra Online, combined sales of Space Quest uh, surpassed 1.2 million units. I mean, they ain't Carmen San Diego numbers, so get out of here. You're trash. Yeah. Yeah. yeah garbage. Garbage. If you don't pass up Carmen San Diego, you're basically trash. But this game was on DOS, <laughs> too, which is pretty funny. Oh, DOS. Simpler times simpler times so we're moving on into our a good windows yeah <laughs> window, less buggy <laughs> like less windows buggy 11 version. <laughs> uh so we're actually moving on to another space game um and it is called starflight and this was actually made specifically for the ibm came out on other stuff later but it's made for, yeah not the company the computer <laughs> ibm <laughs> so uh this game is actually really cool because this is i really like the cover art dude exactly it's it's very like 80s Uh oh where it's it's like there's a bunch of it's black mostly black and then it's got color text at the bottom and or at the top Mm -hmm. sorry and then in the middle is like a square cutout Mm -hmm. with some objects popping out of it a the planet popping out and a starship that came swooping around another planet mm-hmm. is like popping out yeah. of it. It's very like eighties, like books that you would find in the library. Of like, oh, would... this cover looks really cool, and then you open it up, it's just a bunch of words. You're like, disappointed. You're like, like, <laughs> I was yeah. looking for pictures. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I just needed the picture. That's all. Yeah. All right. So, obviously, this game was made for the IBM. You know. Um, so Starflight is a space exploration, combat, and trading role-playing video game created by Binary Systems and published by Electronic Arts. What game does that sound like to you, Dakota? In 1986. Mm -hmm. What does that sound like to you? Well, was this game released? 1986. Was it released? Yeah, it was released in 1986. Oh, it doesn't sound like Star Citizen. Oh, okay. Good. (laughs) Yeah. So, the game is set in the year 4620, when Star Citizen actually releases. The ga- <laughs> they literally just picked that out of a hat. They're like, oh, what year is it going to be based in? Uh, 4620. Yeah. 
1776. <laughs> Wait, no, go forward. Go forward. We're that's too far yeah. back. So yeah, set in forty six twenty. They're like they just want to put four twenty, but they couldn't. They had to throw a six in there. Right. Uh, the game puts players in the role of a starship captain sent to explore the galaxy. There is no set path, allowing players to switch freely between mining, ship to ship combat, and alien diplomacy. So as I wrote in here, this game is basically Star Citizen, except it actually exists. Slightly worse graphics. <laughs> uh, I was like, wow. Uh, and as, as we'll get to it in a little bit, uh, this game basically is the earliest instance of a sandbox game and is widely praised okay. for that. Uh, and actually stuff like, uh, Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous have named Starflight as, uh, inspiration. inspiration. Also, um, God, this game looks bad. Mass Effect is like heavily inspired by this. I think it's eh, it might be this. There's there's another game. I can't remember if it's this one. We'll see. Okay, so I don't understand why games back in the day did this. Well, I mean, I kind of understand why they did. They didn't have the processing power, mm-hmm. but it's like, hey, this really cool cover art, mm-hmm. right? And and this description on the back of the box of like, oh, this is like space flight mm-hmm. trading and all this and combat, and then you boot up the game and. The actual gameplay is only in like one third of the screen in the top left corner, and then the the rest of the screen is just like a bunch of text. So it's like playing Eve. Basically, basically. yeah, basically nothing has changed in the space <laughs> sandbox genre. I'm like, dude, this is so much text. It's overwhelming how much text there is. Yeah. Well, but yeah, think it's the same thing as games nowadays. How much? How many games have you seen where it's like in-game footage, and then you play the game, and you're like, "This is nothing like it." Basically, every Ubisoft well, game that comes I, out. I get that. <laughs> I get that. It's just, dang, dude. Yeah. There is literally, there's only a quarter of your screen is the actual like gameplay, and even that's like, well, not very good looking. Well, not very good looking now, but 1986 thing was fire, dude. Fire. Yeah, actual maybe. fire. Okay, it was. It set your computer on fire because it's so powerful processing speed so starflight online looked cool that's the top that's the top i would assume kind of like galactica i would assume that came out way later because online didn't exist really in 1986 (laughs) (laughs) true (laughs) what is online (laughs) sierra online was just like they had no idea what that part was for it was yeah it was multiplayer name only it's actually sierra online is is actually spelled on dash line yeah, because it's on like a hey, line. we're online. Yes, we're on yeah, a line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're live, guys. Yeah. We're getting power and data. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Starflight uh has two hundred and seventy star systems, each containing from zero to eight planets for a total total of eight hundred different planets. All star system all star systems can be entered and all planets landed on. Something that Star Citizen has yet to do. No. Though, no. So listen. So you can land this, you can land this, on all 800 planets, right? Yeah, by clicking on it and and saying land. Okay, but listen, listen though. But if if you aren't There's paying attention, like no if you aren't paying attention, right? If you click a planet and the gravity is greater than 8 Gs, you just blow up. <laughs> you just die. <laughs> nice. So you actually uh one thing I didn't put on here, you actually make a space crew and they each have different roles, kind of like a regular RPG. Yeah. So yeah. there's like a science officer, like a captain, all this stuff, right? Yeah. So the science officer actually can like scan the planet and analyze it to see what stats it has to see if you should land there. 
uh, including temperature, gravity, chemical composition. This is in 1986. This is crazy. Like this. No, is pretty... yeah, it's really cool. It's just all of that information is text, and the actual gameplay hey. is nothing hey. like like Star. Okay, you have to give Star Citizen credit. No, what people <laughs> wanted to do. Yeah. Now hold on. What people wanted to do in Starflight mm-hmm. back in '86, yeah. you can actually do. 10 fps in, in star citizen <laughs> the same frames per second as 1986 <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but you can actually like physically land on the planets physically well, get out okay, of the vehicle okay. yes like, i would hope so in 2021 this game came in 1986 hey i don't see anybody else doing that sh- that stuff other than elite dangerous mm-hmm. but even that like i'm pretty sure the players would tell you the planets are just rocks i mean you can do it in no man's sky right they have 800 planets that you up, can land on. <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. I don't know. We've just said three three naughty words in our podcast. Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, <laughs> and No Man's Sky. Three words that were not... Three yeah. games were, were banished from the show or nothing to talk about. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, we scrapped yeah, the rest yeah, of the episode. We just talked about those three things for the next three hours. Yeah. 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 So all I'm saying is like, hey, not only is it a sandbox game, there's 800 planets and you can actually go to all of them. It's not just like, oh, there's 800 planets. You can only go to these eight. And yes. and, and I, it, I, it has stuff like, hey, you got to check the gravity. And if you don't do that, you die and blow up. I'm saying... It, no, I, I get that. I get that. From It's just all of this is delivered through text. Yeah. And that, hey, that's it, just wait, annoys me. Temperature and gravity and all that stuff isn't delivered through text. On how do you know what it yeah, is? Yeah, but you can't. Ex- how do you know what it is? Yeah, but you Citizen. can't experience that physically in this game like you could in Star Citizen. I know, but this game came out thirty plus years ago. I get that. I get that. <laughs> get- but then the comparison is moot. I'm not. I'm not comparing it. I'm just saying that this game exists. I do. <laughs> I know. I know. So, uh, this game also. <laughs> I also I wrote in here. How does a game from 1986 have more tech in it than modern games? Because there are a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, this is a brand new game, and like, yeah, it doesn't have graphics options, all this stuff, but it has like, oh yeah, you can scan a planet, you can do this. If you do this, your ship yeah. blows up. You can. Have- well, I mean, look at Mass Effect. Yeah, Andromeda. Yeah, right. It's like th- something a system like that. I'm pretty sure was in the in Mass Effect Andromeda when they were making it. And then due to crunch time like, and eh. people not knowing what the heck game they're making, yeah. they're like, Got it. oh, we can't include any of that. You're just going to land on a planet and then oh, it just happens to be breathable. Yeah, uh, that's fine. We have yeah. extra planets. We'll just throw some in there, whatever. We're laying around yeah. the scrap bin. Yeah. The first planet you land on has the same atmosphere as Earth. Wow. wow. You so can lucky. breathe oxygen and drink the water. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, one thing I thought was cool is that there's eight races that are in the game, and there's actually actually five of them are playable. So you can have five of these different races as your, um, okay. you know, part of your crew or whatever. Yeah. Um, so let's get into some of these names. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. So there's like your t- there's like humans, and then there's your typical. What I didn't put on here is like, hey, we're like the hive mind. We're gonna kill everything if we see you, like the Borg from Star Trek. They have that the race, and yeah. they have humans, and then they have the Elowan. Yeah. Which is a, a pacifistic race of sentient plants. You got plant people. Cool. Nice. Uh, which I, I wonder how they look in this game because they're just like green pixels. They, yeah, they look like a pea pod yeah. that's been split yeah. open. Like a, like a piranha plant from Mario, <laughs> basically. <Yeah. laughs> uh, you got Thryn, 
reptile creatures who are primarily interested in money. So lizard people, just like real life. <laughs> oh, you mean like uh, Facebook CEO yeah. <laughs> Mark, Mark Zucker- Zuckerberg? Zuckerface. <laughs> uh, you got Speemen. A gelatinous blobs who are known for their cowardice. Oh, they had fun with that one. Gelatinous blobs who are known for their cowardice. Oh, man, this is rough to get through. I got to get the rest of these. <laughs> and they have this one, which is the hardest to say. Gazertoid, octopus-like religious zealots who regard all quote-unquote air breathers as infidels. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make this up. Oh, that was amazing. legit in there. And I was like, all right, this is amazing. I have to put this in here. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm a gazertoid. I'm a religious zealot. I'm like, <laughs> ah, air breathers. I hate them. <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting. Get away from me, air breather. That's the last air breather. <laughs> Dakota's shaking his head. All right. So also, okay, this is the one thing I don't know about this. The devs were a little weird on this. So it's a company called Binary Systems. I didn't. There's not too much info about them. But this game is published by EA because apparently just like nowadays, everything is published by EA. Nothing has changed. Yeah. They were still like one of the biggest publishers and like they are today still. They hadn't made yeah. FIFA yet, so they're not as big as they are today. Yeah, they're, they're not that they're not big there. yet. Not that Come big on. yet. Activision actually was way bigger than EA for a, while, for a long time until the console yeah. market crashed. And they're like, big yikes on that one. <laughs> um, so this there's a couple of weird things that developers said that I was kind of like, like this. They said it took 15 man years to develop the game, but there was five people yeah. working on it. So it actually just took three years to make the game. Yes. So Yes, that's exactly what that means. No, I know. It's just kind of like that was like a specific quote from them. They're like, this took 15 years to make. I mean, it only took three years to make with five people working on it, but it took 15 years to make. I was like, yeah, it's it's a bigger, bigger number means better. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I was like, just reading that like rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, yeah. oh, Dakota and I worked on something, so we've been doing the podcast for four years, but, you know, four man years, but two, like, human years. <laughs> it's like yeah. cavemen bonk each other, dude. Like, what? Yeah. Um, Straight up it is. So, the de- developers actually designed a fractal generator, which, again... <laughs> Ooh, wait a minute. Is this the same type of fractal generator that... uh I think it was one of the uh, helicopter games from LucasArts used, Pro, remember? Pro. Where it would draw shapes um, and then it would use them as mountains. No, you were thinking. And then they f- they flipped it upside oh, down yeah, to dr- and it's a cave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those are stalagmites, our stalactites. Yeah. No, so a fractal generator is basically the uh, the earliest use of procedurally generated content. So a fractal generator, okay. it says, once again, took six man years to develop, I hate you, and allowed them to increase <laughs> the number of planets in the game from 50 to 800. Okay. So uh, basically, it that was the fractal generator after that was turned into procedurally generated content, and they kind of like, not like, con- like what's the thing, like named it, coned it, conned it, that's not the word. Term, oh, I know it termed it. I don't know. Somebody's going to tell yeah. me, like, you're stupid. You don't know. Yeah. Coined, Coined it. it. There you go. Thanks, Mario. Um, so Bling. the techniques from the fractal generator created a type of roguelike environment on each planet and with the contents randomly distributed. As you can see the picture on there. Look at that. Look at that beautiful picture. 
Is that a sun or is that a planet? Because it's just an orange ball. That's no planet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's basically it's like all right. I'm gonna try to land. It's like a, it's a black background with just a orange colored <laughs> do, do, pixelated circle. Do you think on it. there are more than and that's eight, a planet? Eight I guess G's on the sun when you try to land, it, your ship's gonna blow up. Oh, look, eight point one, eight point one, eight point two, maybe at the top. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. we blew yeah. up. Also, it's <laughs> a thousand bajillion degrees here. We died instantly. <laughs> All right, a couple of fun facts about uh, Starflight. Uh, by the following year, basically after a year, they sold 100,000 copies and eventually went on to sell uh-huh. over a million copies. So oh, basically them. all their critics' response was that it was extremely positive. I mean, they basically kind of, uh, kind of created procedure-driven content. They weren't the ones that did it but definitely for space sort games of. it kind of they were like one of the early adopters to making something that worked for that yeah. um also they paved a way for a lot of other games like we said elite dangerous star citizen this is kind of one of the earliest adaptations of hey you can have like an exploration game with role-playing aspects and all this stuff and you know no man's sky billion planets that no one cares about yeah they're all the exact same so basically all these new games that say they have all this stuff it's already been done they're just copycats starflight Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and listen to this. They're worse. They're all worse. Listen to this. In 1998, PC Gamer declared it was the 36th best computer game ever released, and the editors called it the most authentic Star Trek experience you could have on a PC, and it wasn't even a Star Trek game. Burn, Star Trek. Get wrecked. Dude, they they do that quite a bit, too. There were... This is the fifteenth best PC game in this category. I'm like, what? Is that even something to celebrate? I mean, You're so far back. I mean, I mean, to be honest, I'm the one pulling the notes, so I just pull whatever I think is the most funny. And it's no, yeah. I know. I'm just saying that it's like it's just hilarious. Where it's 14 years later, the- you're the fifteenth best game it's like, okay, what were the other 14 games that were better? Yeah, it's it's funny too because it's like there's so many random quotes where it's like. This random thing 15 years later said this was the 56th most influential game of all time. It's like, yeah, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe that it got 56th <laughs> most influential of all time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We are moving on to 1987. What a great year. It was a great year. Have you ever heard of a game called The Last Ninja for the Commodore no, 6? Not at all. The Commodore 64 slash 128. Because it's got double the heart, <laughs> double the power, dude. Uh, so the last Ninja was actually one of the most successful games released on the Commodore sixty four, and I had literally never heard of this. Um, is it a point and click game? It is a pseudo point and click game. Um, but I'll get into that in just a second. So the last Ninja contains a blend of exploration, puzzle solving, and combat. The object of the game is to guide the ninja protagonist, wait, try to butcher this, Arma Kuni, on his journey to the palace of the evil shogun, Kuni Toki, to assassinate him. You know how, do you know how they're evil? Hmm? Why? When you go into their temple, there's a pentagram on the ground. Oh. That's how you know. That's how you know. That's how you know they're evil. Yeah, so basically you're going to go kill an evil, like, other uh, ninja, because that's what ninjas do. They just kill other ninjas constantly. Or people. Uh, there's, uh, who is, oh man, there's some comedian. I don't know if it's Dane Cook or someone has the old skit where he's like, everyone's obsessed with ninjas. Ninjas are just Japanese burglars. They're 
assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, everyone's like, oh, ninjas true. are so cool. No, it's just a guy dressed in black with a katana just breaking into your house and stealing yeah. stuff. What? Ninjas aren't cool. They're yeah. jerks. Uh, it's so funny. If I broke into your house with a black mask <laughs> and a sword. on, but I had, but I had special knives with me, yeah. would I be a burglar or would I be a yeah, ninja? Exactly. <laughs> So basically, you're going to. I'm not here to steal your things. I'm here to kill evil spirits. Yeah, they're like, oh sweet. I see two of them. Yeah, and also I need this PSP, and I'll be back later. Yeah, as payment, I'll take all your silverware. (laughs) (laughs) And do you have any china? Because I must avenge my father. I must avenge my father. You stole that. (laughs) I must avenge him. Uh, So basically, uh, you are going to go kill an enemy shogun, avenge your clan, and retrieve the sacred scrolls. I was like, wow. Let's... I was like, wait, wait, did cliche exist in 1987, or did they just invent it? Did they just mix two Asian cultures together, ninjas from Chinese culture and shoguns from Japanese culture? (laughs) Well... This developer's like, they're both Asian. (laughs) (laughs) they're like wait they both use swords and they like killing each other that's fine to me yeah print it print it up boys oh my god we are we already coded everything ah whatever screw it just sell it (laughs) the last ninja the pre the prequel to the last samurai (laughs) the last samurai oh dude they're related So as the player progresses, Kunitoki's henchmen become more challenging as they learn learn the ways of the ninja, even though they're a shogun <laughs> like samurai one. Nice. Uh so the ba- the game the gameplay from looking at it, it's basically Sekiro if it was nineteen eighty six. It's an action adventure. Yeah, point and click Sekiro. It's an action adventure game with crazy precision required to progress the game and story. And when I mean crazy precision, like I'll read more and then you'll find out. So <laughs> pixel perfect yeah, yeah. precision, uh, <laughs> all just like 120 by 200 just, pixel. just like shroud, dude. Pixel perfect precision. Yeah. So the developer said we wanted to combine an arcade experience with adventure elements. So it wasn't like Double Dragon, where you just go punch, kick, move, punch, kick, move. The whole idea was to, that's the whole idea was to solve a series of simple but realistic adventure puzzles. What we were essentially trying to do was take the square cursor blob from Adventure on the Atari 2600 and turn it into a fully interactive 3D adventure. <laughs> to go to space. Okay. Like, I, I don't I know what that means. <laughs> I um, so, listen to this. The game won many awards and was universally critically acclaimed as an original groundbreaking game. Uh, the Last Ninja is surprisingly advanced, sporting a combat system which allows specific body parts to be targeted. Oh, cool! They have vats. Obsta- <laughs> yeah, they have vats basically. <laughs> Environmental obstacles and multiple weapons and hidden items galore. So pretty much, they had vats. So like, when you're actually fighting someone, yeah, like you can you like click their leg and they'll like actually like, fall over if you like. That's that's pretty dope. Not gonna lie. For 1987, dude, that's like. Everyone's like double dragon squad press the button. That would make that would make a point and click combat system pretty fun, where like you can target specific body parts so that you can Mm -hmm. sway the battle into your advantage. Yeah, it's like oh, you're fighting someone that's harder, but if you like cripple them, do like the yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like a it's like it's like like rock paper scissors. You don't kill anybody. You just give them crippling depression because their entire (laughs) body is broken. (laughs) They do it themselves yeah. and then they drink yeah. themselves oh after, after all their bones are broken. <laughs> Batman's like, I don't kill people. I make them kill themselves. <laughs> yeah. I beat them to a pulp. I am the night. I am darkness. Oh, <laughs> oh, 
And he's just like shows up at their hospital like Bigaboo. How's it going? <laughs> you remember feeling? me? Not good. <laughs> yeah. uh, I swear, Dakota and I have not been drinking. This is going <laughs> off the rails. Oh man. Um. So, a couple of fun facts about the Last Ninja. So, the Last Ninja was a really uh, well-selling game. Shockingly, shockingly. Yeah. Computer Gaming World stated there is a. There is no exaggerating the graphic excellence of The Last Ninja. Okay, but I'm not going to lie. Even though it's a point-and-click game, the picture uh-huh. you posted there, yeah, it, it looks, looks pretty legit, right? good. Like, that's pretty it good looks... pixel art. This is almost to the fact it's that vibrant. if this game came out today, it would be like, oh, it's a cool indie game that's yeah. like retro. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's like a retro indie game. It's like, oh, it's an old point-and-click. Like, no, this game's from 1987, yeah. dude. <laughs> like, oh, really? It doesn't look like your typical game where it's like, oh, okay, like... Yeah, I don't and know a lot how of pixel, the game plays. And a lot everything. of pixel art games, it, the color palette is either we have 16 colors to work with, <laughs> yeah. or it's like dark and dingy for some reason. Probably because they had 16 yeah. pixels to 16 work colors with. 16 colors. <laughs> yeah. We have 16 shades of gray and black. Whereas this game, like, it's stylized, and there's... Yeah. It's a very nice yeah. color palette. It looks, I mean, it looks pretty good right yeah. here in this picture. That's why I wanted to grab this picture. I was like, hey, this actually, I like, don't, this game doesn't look that bad. I don't know if you looked at any other pictures, but that's like the best looking picture. <laughs> yeah, of, probably. Most of the other images that are in that are exactly what we Shows described before. Action, com- action combat. Where it's maybe. like, you have 16 colors and I can tell. So this game was crazy successful in the Commodore 64. One of the best selling Commodore 64 games. Of all time. So, of all time. So in just the EU, it sold seven hundred fifty thousand units. Wow! And internationally, it sold two million units. Wow! So really big in Japan, probably because they love ninjas and Shogun. <laughs> Siri was <laughs> like, "Did you want me?" <laughs> Siri said, "I said it." She's like, "Sorry, I'm not sure about that." Well, Siri doesn't think it sold anything in Japan. Apparently, <laughs> I guess we're gonna keep that in. Um. So the guy that created the game said that it sold in excess of 4 million copies in all. And it was wow. the best-selling uh, Commodore 64 game at the time, but I think it's in, like, top five of all time, best-selling Commodore 64 game. Dude, that's fantastic. Good for them. Dude. And what's crazy is that, like, I didn't put The Last Ninja 2 in here, the sequel. The sequel actually did even better than the first game. Nice. It sold more copies than the first game. Nice. They were popping off back then. Yeah, people love ninjas. All right. Now for a very fun game. This is one I was kind of excited for. Have you ever heard of Leisure Suit Larry? Yes, I have. <laughs> Wet Dreams Try Try <laughs> Twice. What? That's that's the newest one. The newest one because they're oh, still making yeah. Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is actually uh, Leisure Suit Larry, the original game, but it's called The Land of the Lounge Lizards. Um, so such a strange game. This is a graphic adventure game developed by Sierra Online, and one thing I didn't know, but I found out while researching this, is that um, uh, Sierra Online, in like four years before this, developed a game literally called Soft Porn Adventure. Nice. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, the the guys that created this kind of like ran with that, and they're like, "Oh, let's make it like really funny and cheesy and like cliche and kind of like cringy because it would be it would be a funny game." Yeah. You know? So, um, it's a point and click graphic adventure, graphic being the emphasis on that word, if as much as it is like pixelified, you know? Yeah. Uh, so this wasn't the first, but definitely hey, one of the when most. When I was a kid, I worked with what I had. Okay. Yeah, exactly. 
So this wasn't first, but it's definitely one of the most well-known adult-centric games to come out. It, it's worth talking about because now some game companies realize that you can make a commercially successful game that isn't 100% family-focused. Well, yeah, look at Steam and all the freaking hentai games on there. No, I know, especially now, but this is in 1987, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. where this is probably the height of, like, yeah. video games are the devil, everything is the devil, you can't do this, <laughs> you can't do this. Well, you know, the last um, game featured a pentagon, this game's all about sex, so, yeah. A, pen, a, pen, games, a pentagon? Or pentagram? Uh, uh, <laughs> featured the pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, pentagram. There you go, and it's like it's, Instagram. Yeah. <gasps> They're linked. Oh Instagram God. is the devil. <laughs> uh, so uh, this the game story follows its player. I- I'm reading you this verbatim because it's too good not to. The game story follows its player character of a middle aged male version named Larry Laffer as he desperately tries to quote unquote get lucky in the fictional American city of Lost Wages, <laughs> which is obviously a play on Las Vegas. Land of the Lounge Lizards established several elements which recur in uh, later Leisure Suit Larry games, including Larry's campy attire, perpetually bad luck with women, and penchant for double entendres. So he's wearing a, like, 1960s white disco suit, and he has, like, slicked back hair, so he looks like a a hobo Elvis, basically. Like a greasy, greasy boy. So, uh, despite its lack of advertising, the game was a sleeper hit and a commercial and critical success. Was the 40-year-old there. version based off of this game? Probably. Probably. What's funny, as you, as you say that, because in the, ga- in the uh, game, he was 38. Right. He's a 38, but whenever they remade it a couple years later, like, re- quote-unquote, remastered it, they changed him to 40. Oh. And he was a 40-year-old virgin. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's actually pretty crazy because this is one of those games where you'd go to like a store to buy it. They're like, we don't have it. Right. And you'd have to like wink, wink, nudge. And then they're like, okay, come to the back. And then they would sell it to you. Like, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I looked it up yeah. and they're like, a lot of people are like, oh, this game's a bomb, but it sold like crazy. Cause there's so many people that are like, oh, I want to play this game. I want to like, see some pixelated titties. Yeah. <laughs> So this is where things get a little wild in this game because I didn't know anything about it. Oh, yeah, this is Uh, a strange game. Yeah, so the player can walk between areas that are next to each other, but other areas can only be accessed by hailing a taxi because you kind of start out at a bar and you're just basically trying to get laid. Uh, So you can can hail a taxi down, which costs the player money. Failure to do so results in Larry being mugged (laughs) or hit by oncoming traffic. (laughs) So this is where it gets... It takes a dark turn, like, really quickly. Um, So players are given seven real-time hours uh, to complete the game, at which point a despairing Larry commits suicide, resulting in game over. Uh, A a prostitute is available as soon as the game starts. Should Larry have unprotected intercourse with her, he will contract a sexually transmitted disease and die shortly thereafter. This fate may be avoided by buying a condom at the convenience store. Larry questions the validity of losing his virginity to a prostitute, but the game resumes without a time limit. So that was a lot to go through. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically like, hey, if you don't get lucky because you're so depressed, you literally either kill yourself or you go just like hook up with a prostitute and then die from like AIDS. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, this that took a dark turn really quickly (laughs) for this game. That's like a couple of pixels, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So. Game is couple, 
Very weird. Spicy. Couple of fun facts. Uh, unsure of how the 1987 game would be received, Sierra's management chose to release it with no publicity or advertising budget. Due to its adult nature, the game includes an age, ver- age verification system consisting of trivia questions that Al Lowe, the creator, assumed children would not know the answers <laughs> to. Nice. Yeah. As many of the questions are US-centric, they risk frustrating a non- non-American players. So basically, it's just like, who was the 60th president or who was like yeah. this, like stuff like that. Yeah. And then people that didn't live in the U.S. that played the game were like, had to like find people to, to I don't know, write a letter and send it in the mail <laughs> to them. Um, if played today, the questions also include out of date cultural references. One question begins, O.J. Simpson is, and the wrong answer is under indictment. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Uh, so basically it sold over 300,000 units, uh, but a significant number of the game's players were female. What? So that's wow. the shocking part of this. And that's like, there's actually a couple of different sources for that. They're like, yeah, a ton, like this is like a huge hit with females, like gamers, because they're like, oh, this is really funny. And all this stuff is playing like a loser virgin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's like, it took another then. dark turn. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, man, this. Nitro Davis 7 is a spicy year. It's like, oh, we got a really cool ninja game where you're killing samurai and leisure suit Larry. Yeah. Alrighty then. <laughs> All right. Oh my god, the on. fact that he like kills himself after yeah. like eight hours is <laughs> so bad. And then it's so depressing. You'd have a female lead one. And yeah. The same thing would happen with that to stay consistent. People would be pissed. Yeah. What happens? You're like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom and come back and you just killed yourself. Yeah. Like <laughs> In the game, you're like, whoopsie. All right. All right. Moving on to 1988. So there's a little game called Dungeon Master. Uh, Dungeon Master is a pseudo 3D first person perspective role playing game. Yikes. Yeah, uh, Dungeon which, Master. Yeah. That's going to come up with some weird stuff on Google. <laughs> Just use Bing. It'll be way worse. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the cool thing is that Dungeon Master. Basically, oh, yeah. became the like, proto- this is like a Doom esque game. Yeah, so it basically became the prototype for the genre of 3D dungeon crawlers with notable clones like Eye of the Beholder. Have you ever heard uh, Tales of Grimrock? Or was it called Grimrock something? Tales of uh, Legend, Legend, Legend. No, Legend of Grimrock on like Steam and stuff, where it's basically like no. you, it's a first person perspective and you move one step at a time and like fight monsters. No. Okay. Spikes has, but he's listed the show, so it's okay. Yeah, he's not oh, on the right. show. I am, so okay, Dakota. So <laughs> yeah, just listen then. So, uh, in contrast to traditional turn-based approach that basically everybody else used, they added real-time combat elements akin to active time battle. So basically, as you're moving, the monsters would kind of move with you, but they would actually come up to you and start attacking you instead of going into like a turn-based combat that basically every other RPG had. Yeah. So this kind of the active time battle is like literally what they use in the Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Where it's like you have a bar fill up and then you fight. Right. And that's right. pretty much what they use in here. Um, other factors that they use that were br- basically brand new were uh, the use of sound effects to indicate when a creature was nearby and primitive but dynamic lighting. Wow. Which RTX on. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's so crazy that Dungeon Master had certain sound effects to announce enemies coming in the room and yet games like Back for Blood don't have that. Left, yeah, Left 4 Dead one. had that. 
there were different Ooh. musical notes that would sound when a special mm-hmm. zombie like a entered. witch like yeah like a yep. witch is like would enter the, the arena back for blood does not mm-hmm. have that and it's incredibly hard because there's tons of these zombies that just like pop up out of nowhere and then mm-hmm. yikes you're surrounded by three boomers and two tall boys and it's like yikes mm-hmm. this is bad news bears i and- wish there was a sound effect to let me know they were near mm-hmm. it seems like the zombies are back for blood True, they are. <laughs> so, uh, Dungeon Master also changing things up. Dungeon Master was like really innovative. So they didn't use your typical uh, experience and skill system like most RPGs use. Uh, they actually had the OG New World system where you use a weapon or a skill and it levels up. Like basically, oh, so they didn't like, have oh, a class this- system. <laughs> yeah, there's no classes in this game. Definitely, yeah, definitely no classes weren't- in the game. Except the classes that use certain weapons. Yeah, the sword, the sword class. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not a class. That's I not promise. a class. Yeah, uh, you're leveling up the sword itself. Oh, as yeah. a class. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, it's no, totally no. different. Yeah. Anyways, I gotta go on my rocket. See, ya. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go play space. Bezos to the moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Later, boys. I can't hear you. I'm in my rocket. <laughs> Um, so they definitely weren't the first game to use this approach where you're, you know, yeah. use weapons or whatever, you know, new world used it. And it's basically the same timeline. Yeah. This came out guys. relatively Rel- close. Yeah. So, but yeah, they weren't the first people to use it, but they popularized it. Like this became a thing after this game, which is not necessarily a bad Yikes. thing because some games actually use it correctly. Some games use it correctly. Not uh, all games, but some do. This game is almost closer to wow launching than new world is. Mmm, big spice. So, now, I want you to scroll down and look at this picture. Dungeon Master has established several new standards for role-playing games and first-person games in general, such as the paper doll interface. Oh, hey, look, it's Path of Exile. <laughs> yeah. So, this, is, this, this picture is actually, I think, from Legend of Grimrock, the game I was talking about. Oh, okay. So, basically, every game... I was going to say, that, that looks pick- like a really nice inventory. <laughs> yeah, basically, every RPG or ARPG type of game that you can think where you have, oh, you have like your character kind of, and then you have slots for like your helmet, your chest armor, your sword, shield, whatever. This game created that. That just did not exist. Everything was text before. Yeah, so they actually had this interface. This isn't from that, obviously. And it's called a paper doll interface. That's interesting. It's called a paper doll interface. Yeah, I was like, wow, I did not even know what that was called, but that's what, and that's cool. Yeah. So I was like, oh, man, that's actually pretty legit because that's used in games still to this day because there's not really a better way to do it. Someone hasn't figured it out yet. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. The plot of Dungeon Master is literally to go into a cave, find a fire staff and go kill a guy named Lord Chaos. Chaos. (laughs) I'm here to find chaos. Chaos. (laughs) I need to kill chaos. I need a fire staff to go kill chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so a couple of, uh, fun facts about Dungeon Master, and this is on the Amiga, by the way, uh, Dave Erickson of Amiga Computing Magazine, I'm oh, assuming. Is he, is it he related to Leif Erickson, the <laughs> yeah. founder of the US? <laughs> yeah. And also the creator of the phones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, of Amiga Computing, which I'm assuming is not a website because websites didn't exist as a magazine because that's all yeah, that happened back then. Back then. Praise the brilliant graphics, sound effects, and replay value and said, Dungeon Master is the most stunning role-playing game I have seen on the Amiga, which 
I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't call that stunning because the <laughs> the dungeon is literally gray. But it's like if you had a flashlight and you turn the brightness all the way up, so like all of the rocks are just blown out. Mm-hmm. Hey, you'll be happy. Look, you actually use the mouse to click your attacks and stuff for your characters. So it's not just text. Like, yeah, it's showing text at the bottom, what's happening, like damage and stuff. But it's not like you typing like attack tree monster. You're actually like, I'm still so not happy. I know you're not happy, but this isn't a game for you. You all, you also didn't exist. I'll in be happy when we. I'll be happy when we get to the 90s. Yeah, true. That'll be the next time. So, uh, Antics Amiga Plus, which I'm assuming is another magazine or something, <laughs> felt the game captures the essence of Dungeons & Dragons role-playing games. The reviewer praised the dazzling graphics, called the user-friendly controls a real joy, and said the game was the best graphics adventure for the Amiga to date. Thanks, Antics nice. Amiga Plus magazine. <laughs> that definitely doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I was like... I guess making games back in this era in like the 70s and 80s, because literally it's like, I'm going to code my game. And you're like, okay, we did it over the weekend. Here you go. Like, here's the game. Well, I, I, okay, if you're saying it's easy to make a good game, no. I'd say that's, that's not true because look at ET. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's, e- I'm not saying it's easy to make a good game. I'm saying it, see, it was a lot easier to just make something, even if it was garbage. Oh, yeah. It does. Yeah. I'm saying it's like people are like, oh, I worked in this game for two weeks. Here you go. And it's like, oh, this is a pile of crap. This is terrible. <laughs> I'm assuming yeah. it was the same way about making magazines back in the day. You're just like, I'm a magazine oh, editor yeah. because I wrote yeah, yeah. one magazine. Here you go. Yeah. Because I published the, my magazine at school. It's kind of like people now that write blogs, basically. <laughs> blogs are. Oh, the, God. Bloggers. Blogger, I bloggers. Bloggers are the Antics Amiga Plus magazine well, of the 2000s. Uh, you could also say it's like podcasts. True. True. But ours Dime is. Dime a dozen. That's true. But ours is the Sacagawea gold dollar coin. We're, we're self-aware. We're we self-aware. Moderately, moderately successful podcasts. Yeah. And hey, moderately successful is better than mildly successful. True. We're just trying to move with that Taco Taco Bell chain. We, we got to get that El Diablo <laughs> podcast yeah, going. Yeah. <laughs> Least get to fire fire podcast. <laughs> this is fire. So we're actually going to move on to a game that you've actually heard of. I have heard of this. Yeah. So uh, our second game in 1988 is yes. a game called Wasteland. Which Whoa. which just re- uh, Wasteland three actually came out like last year, forty <laughs> years much. later. Yeah. <laughs> so shockingly, Wasteland is a sci-fi open-world role-playing game developed by Interplay, a game that you or studio you've heard of, and published by Electronic Arts. So crazy! Electronic Arts wow. published like almost every popular game back in the day, and still to this day, sort of. Uh, Interplay, as you will know, because we're about to talk about it, uh, is known for making Fallout later after Wasteland down the road and a bunch of other Big random yikes. stuff. Uh, well, what? Wikipedia says that. Oh, okay. No, never mind. They yeah. had 10 years left. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They died in 98. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Spoilers for next episode. Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like. They, they've made a lot of games, and mm. I wonder what they're doing now. Nothing. Nothing. But they're Bethesda, <laughs> basically, now. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the game is set in a futuristic, post-apocalyptic America destroyed by a nuclear holocaust generations before. Wow. Fallout? Weird. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> 
so the game generally lets players advance using a variety of tactics. So one thing that was cool is that, you know, in a lot of games, you'd walk up to a door and like, this door's locked. All right, now go away forever. Don't ever come back here because we didn't program you doing anything with that. Yeah. Um, but in this game, you know, you're, you could pick a lock using like a lockpick skill. You're like, okay, that's pretty basic. You could, you could, if you leveled up your climb skill, you could actually just climb over gates, which is something new, nice. which they don't have in back for blood. <laughs> you can't climb over <laughs> obstacles. Dang. Got uh, him. Or you could use your strength attribute to kind of like, uh, force, force open. It. Yeah, like brute force it, right? Yeah. Uh, you also have the ability to use a crowbar, Gordon Freeman style. Or nice. if or if you just got tired of the door, you could just blow it up with a rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which I was like, oh, okay. That's basically all those things you still really can't do that much in actual games nowadays. No. If you go to a get door and it's like it's locked, it's like even in Doom, like Doom Eternal, Doom 2016, it's like go find the key card. Yeah. Like I have a rocket launcher that's like, nope, not gonna work. This is this this, uh, is... this door is a uh, lightsaber resistant. So you can't yep. shoot it with the rocket. You can. You're literally able to get shot out of a um out of a giant BFG nine thousand and shot into a planet, but you're not able to break open a metal door. <laughs> yeah, not even a chance. Not a chance doing. Like the security is too good. They're using Norton. <laughs> can't crack <laughs> that code. Uh, so the game, the game, just like Wasteland two and three, is noted for its its extremely high and unforgiving difficulty level. Uh, basically, it's one of those games that's like you die, and it's like okay, cool, start over. It's like wait, what? Yeah, it's like bye bye. You suck. Yeah, you try suck. again. Yeah. Uh, so the combat in this game is obviously it's like a turn based, you know, kind of role playing game, mm-hmm. and it's from 1988, so you can just imagine what that looks like. Um, but it actually got a PG-13 sticker on the packaging, which is very rare for games this time. Because you would kill an enemy and stuff, the text would say something like "explodes like a blood sausage" or "reduced to a thin red paste," and you know uh, the U.S. was, was like, "Whoa, that's so violent! Oh my god!" And then Doom next year's like, "Hold my beer." <laughs> Doom, <laughs> Doom a couple years later is like, "Hold, hold my Cosmo." <laughs> I'm coming in hot and heavy. Yeah, I think uh, what four years after this, Mortal Kombat comes out. Yeah, big yikes. They're like, we don't even, the U.S. like, we don't even have a sticker for that yet. We don't even know what to do. <laughs> we haven't invented we have a sticker, sticker for how violent this game is. <laughs> exactly. Their brains just exploded on the floor. They exploded like a blood sausage when they saw Mortal Kombat. <laughs> um, the CEO's brains were red yeah. paste on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So Wasteland uh, was actually one of the first games featuring a persist- persistent world. Something Star Citizen has yet to achieve. Where... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I know I keep Dakota's mind just melted. No, it's funny because they don't. <laughs> yeah, because it's true. They don't. <laughs> they're they're talking about eye cash and persistence in yeah. the next patch, and I'm just it's not it's not ready yet. Just a couple years ago, back in '88, they figured out how to do it. So the game is actually crazy because persistent world wasn't a thing. Like you know, any game you play, you go to the area and then you go back and it's reset. Yeah, they, they, they didn't have enough storage on them floppy drives yeah. for that. So basically, uh, you would go into an area. You, if you return to an area later in the game, the player would find it in the state the player left it in, rather than being reset, as was common for games at the time. Since hard drives were still rare in home computers in 1988, this meant the original game disc had to be copied first, as the manual instructed one to do. Which is like, 
big brain mode actually. But they're like, we're <laughs> we're we're enabling persistent world. All you have to do is make a bunch of copies of the world. <laughs> With real every time media. you make a change, you need yeah. a new floppy drive. Yeah, you need a new floppy disk, dude. Uh, yeah, hey, you got how many B? You guys got any more than B drives? <laughs> B floppy drives? Yeah. You guys uh, are here for the C drive, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. C drives at five o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, uh, that's it's that sentence just kind of like blew my mind a little bit. Since hard drives were still rare in 1988, I'm just like, what? My brain literally can't <laughs> compute what that just meant. So uh, another feature the game had was the inclusion of a printed collection of paragraphs that the player would read at appropriate times, like story. Whoa. These paragraphs described encounters and conversations, contained clues, and added to the overall texture of the game. Because disk space was at a premium, it saved on resources to have most of the game's story printed out in a separate manual rather than stored within the game's code itself. The paragraph books also served as a rudimentary, rudimentary form of copy protection. Because, as I was reading, you would go to an area and they would say, you would have to know some part of the story and like answer a question, or you just couldn't yeah. progress in the game. And they Dang. gave you like an actual, I mean, the crazy thing about games now is that even if these games were, say, 40 50 $60 back then, they came with like massive manuals and stuff for the game. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay, here's the manual on how to Print install media it and everything. Print back in the day was not cheap either. And they're like, oh, and also, here's the entire game story that you need to read along as you're playing. Yeah. Which I remember, I remember even when I was younger, you know, playing like N64 games, whatever. Getting a brand new game and having a manual was so cool. Like I loved having that game manual. Was like primo. seeing all the art in the yeah, game seeing manual. All the art so dope. Going and looking through it, like oh, I can't wait to do this in the game where it's telling me what and to do. And the cool, the cool games where the the cover art for mm-hmm. the uh, for the packaging mm-hmm. had a secondary one that you, yeah, could, you could flip, flip it over on the back side oh, yeah. of it. Oh, those yeah. were the best. And now you you buy a Switch game, the case is tiny and the cartridge is like a micro SD card. Like, yeah, great. Yay. It's insulting. Yeah, all this plastic for this tinier piece of plastic. It Yay. doesn't like I don't environment. I don't understand why Switch cases aren't the same size as 3DS cases. I mean, 3DS doesn't exist, but yeah. they're like half the size. Anyways, yeah. they Yeah, I don't know. It's annoying. Environment. Um, bye. Nintendo's like gobble gobble gobble. gobble. We love yeah. all your money. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> carbon. We we want more carbon. Feed us carbon. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo the carbon monster. <laughs> <laughs> so a fun fact about Wasteland. Uh, according to a retrospective review by Richard Cob- Cobbett of Eurogamer in 2012, even now it offers a unique RPG world and experience. A whole fallen civilization full of puzzles and characters and things to twiddle with, all magically crammed into less than a megabyte of space. That's what's Oof. crazy. That's what's less crazy. than a megabyte of space. And that is insane. There's a couple things I didn't go over about Wasteland, like you can create your own party and all this, all this other jazz. Cool stuff. Basically, the the key points were that, hey, you could just blow up a door if you wanted to, or you could jump over it if you're yeah. strong enough. It's it's crazy. I know uh, Spike's guy I play co-op games with, he's played Wasteland 3 and beat it in like 60 hours or something. He said it was an awesome game. If you want a game where your choices in the game actually matter, that is a yeah. game because it's like there's so much crazy stuff in Wasteland 3 that I saw him playing. And actually, if you want to get a little taste of Wasteland 1, it they actually put it on Game Pass. They remastered they it and put it on Game Pass I in 2020. Yeah. I was like, oh, this looks cool. And I'm like, no, it does not. 
<laughs> this looks really yeah, it's old. A, it's too much. EA's like, what are you talking about? We just put out a brand new game. <laughs> Definitely not a re-release. We released in 2020. It's brand new. Yeah. So I thought. Hey, that was really I've cool. seen that before. What are you talking about? It's brand new. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the developers are like, you guys are getting paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to our last year, and there's some games that you will enjoy in here that are pretty cool. So we're in 1989. Have you ever heard of Populous? No, I have not heard of Populous. Populous for the Amiga? Are you kidding me, Amigo? Amiga? <laughs> uh, so Populous is a game developed by Bullfrog Productions, which I believe no longer exists. Published, yeah, that published by Published by, shockingly, Electronic Arts, a small studio indie dev. That Dude, you may they were making of. bank back then. <laughs> Dude, the they 80s. were making... Holy crap. Well, they continue to do so. That's why they're so big now, because they just like, we'll take all of the money, please. Thank you. Um, so, uh, Populous is regarded by many, which realistically it is, it is the first God game where you have a, where you basically control a deity and instead of just having a, you know, instead of just like building it like a city builder, you're actually like in control of the people's fates, right? So we'll go into that. Do you remember that game Dust back in the, what happened to God games? Uh, so there's a game on Steam called Goddess. And it's okay. actually made by the exact this guy that made this <laughs> populous. Oh, really? Yeah, and and it's been in early access for like eight years because he just like he just like abandoned it pretty much. Oh well, okay. Well, that sucks. <laughs> I was I was about to say I'll check that out, but if he abandoned it, then yeah. yeah it's the last out. update was from like 2016 or something. It's just been like a perpetual Yikes. state of. Uh, it was supposed to be a redo. Uh, so I'll get into that in a second. This game was designed by Peter Peter Molyneux. I know that name. Mm-hmm. You do know that name. So I'm pretty sure that he worked on Fable and made Fable too. Yep. Yeah. Time to look him up. Yeah. So basically, the idea for Populous is, uh, you know, it's a god game kind of city builder, but he developed a prototype for the game using Legos. And I put a picture in here so you can see oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was wondering why the Legos were in there. Yeah. So basically, that's his. that was his idea for for uh populous and from he this did l- work on fable yep, yeah that's what I he's known he, for yeah, i think he created fable well he is actually known for populous first and then fable later on that's why he still no, kept, kept it that doesn't make any sense i've never heard of populous <laughs> before i actually used to play like a populous that came out in the 90s version it was really fun because you're like oh there's people and they're like oh they're like walk around like starting fires and like trying to chop down trees and you're like <laughs> tornado death and locusts yeah. killed them all <laughs> I know, dude. They they were so fun, and that I remember on Xbox there was a demo for a game named Dust. Yeah, it was made by Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. You were you were like stuck on an island, and you had to basically help help mm-hmm. the like these people complete tasks. Yeah. and you were like building oceans and mm-hmm. bridges and stuff like that, and setting fire. And I'm like, dude, that was so much fun. It's literally just a sandbox game. Yeah, so that definitely took very heavy inspiration from Populous because that's basically what Populous oh, is. 100%. P- yeah. Pop- so uh, Populous is a game that consists of 500 levels and each level represents an area of land on which in which uh, the player's, fo- player's followers and enemies' followers are all kind of the same uh, plot. So in okay. order to progress to the next level, the player must increase the number of their followers such so that they can wipe out the enemy followers. This is done by right. using a series of divine powers. And going on crusades. <laughs> exactly. 
So some of the powers early on were pretty basic, as you can see in this picture. Some of them were like, oh, you can like raise up land, lower land, so people can reach water, they can make bridges and all yeah. this stuff. But each of the 500 levels is actually just a page in this book that you also see on the map. So yeah. basically, oh, when you want to go to the next area, or you basically you get enough people to follow you as the deity, you capture this page, the book actually turns to the next page, and then you start over, kind of. That's cool. So it's so funny. Uh, uh, Malanu developed an isometric landscape, then populated with little people that he called peeps. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so basically, he was like, "Oh, I just want to make a sandbox game with my oh little people. I was calling peeps just wandering around." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, how you nice. did not know that that would become a thing later on?" What's up, my peeps? Uh, what is up, my peeps? So basically, he just he he made it to where all these people could walk around, but they would get to water and they would just like get stuck and they couldn't do anything, right? So. The whole idea originally was like, oh, it's just going to be a sandbox game with no end. And EA is like, yeah. ah, we don't think so, amigos. <laughs> They're like, it needs to have some kind of end. So that's when they they kind of went to the godlike intervention. So you can actually like expand and there can be an actual ending to the game. Okay. Yeah. So basically the whole thing of Populous is just kind of created the first god, god deity type simulator, which we don't really mm-hmm. have much of anymore. We don't it doesn't really and exist because i'm sitting here thinking of all of these cool ideas that i would do with it the closest thing would be like city builders that would have like city skyline stuff but really i don't know if they have like oh, you're not a god no no you're, you're just you're like city a, planner. you're just a civil engineer yeah <laughs> i am god yeah. i will destroy the sewer <laughs> lines I that's will what city all. that's what city planners feel like C- civil engineers just turn into shredder i gotta kill the ninja turtles <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Master Splinter. <laughs> I was like, you you decide to put a park bench next to like a mm-hmm. kind of like crappy apartment building. Yeah. I am a generous guy. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're like, I will let you sleep here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so I was like, I like that he called them peeps. I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah. a couple of fun facts about populace. This went on to be like a really big important series and Oh, Populous. Populous had a lot popular. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're ending the show. <laughs> so a couple of fun facts about it. So after demoing the game to over a dozen publishers, Bulldog, uh, Bulldog Bullfrog eventually gained the interest of Electronic Arts because they're like, cool, we like money and everything. We'll do yeah. it. Why not? We have an excess of cash. Uh, so they had a gap in their spring release schedule, and they were willing to take a chance on the game. Bullfrog accept their offer, although Molyneux later described the contract as pretty atrocious. Uh, I was like, oh, I love that word. We use it all the time. Yeah. Uh, he got 10% royalties on units sold, rising to 12% after 1 million units sold. Whoa. With, with only a small upfront payment. I'm like, that is crazy. All right, that's EA. Terrible. Nothing has changed. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, reviews. Yeah, basically all the reviews were like 90 or higher. Like, Populous blew up. And wow. it sold over 4 million copies, making it one of the best-selling PC games of all time. Yeah, it like wow. exploded. It's up there with where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Well, hold on, let's do some quick math on his royalties because that's pretty atrocious. I don't. I wonder how much the game costs. Probably fifty bucks, forty, fifty bucks. Fifty. Yeah, I'd say fifty. Fifty yeah, bucks. So let's do four million times fifty. That's two hundred million dollars from those. They made about twenty right? mil. EA. So do you think his twelve percent is like 
It's probably after uh, everything. The only thing he makes from it. No, they, no, EA, it's a, it says EA it's gets. T- 10% and then a small upfront payment of probably like, I don't know, 50 grand, 100 grand. No, I know. But like on each copy sold, he only gets 12%. Uh-huh. EA gets the rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So times this by yeah. 12%. I mean, he still made $24 million off of it. It's not bad. Yeah. But that's also like it sold 40 million copies. But how many of those you think are like on sale and stuff? So I don't know how they do sales like that. If they're splitting yeah. it like that, I don't think they do that really anymore. They maybe do. Yeah, and we don't know the time span for that four million copies. Could have been because like a lot of these years. older games, it, they never gave you like, oh, this sold this many copies by the end of the year. It's like it sold this many copies in like ten years. See, but you also got to think, um, Peter Molyneux didn't get ten percent. Bullfrog, the company that made the game, got ten percent. Yeah, I yeah. mean, still twenty-four million dollars for the company is still that's yeah pretty for great. making an Amiga game. Yeah, that's pretty. So, <laughs> so well, it was also twenty four million dollars back in eighty eight. Yeah, that's true. That is which true. is probably like thirty five million today. So, the very last game is definitely something you've heard of. Little game called Sim City came out what? in nineteen eighty nine. Wow, that's crazy. It's that old. Yeah. So, Sim City is a open ended city building uh, game that was designed by Will Wright. You may have heard. You're like Sim City. That sounds familiar. Yeah, he's also the creator of The Sims, like one of the <laughs> best-selling games of all time, basically. Yeah. Um, but Sim City is like the OG. This is a Sim game. Sim City is the OG city builder. Yeah, basically the uh, not like the only one, but the definitely one that popularized the genre for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. So Sim City features two-dimensional graphics and an overhead perspective. If you can scroll down, you can see the game, the uh, a picture. This picture is yeah. actually of one of the later copies that kind of up the graphics, which is pretty funny. Oof, that yeah, is it's, rough. It's a little rough. But basically, the objective is like, hey, you're not a god. You're a civil engineer. That's why we're getting to this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, your whole objective is create That's a city, uh, develop residential industrial areas, build infrastructure, and collect taxes. Because why wouldn't you want to do that? Ooh, that man, that sounds <laughs> like so much fun stealing money from people legally <laughs> it's so funny you're like i must be a ninja for the government <laughs> this is yeah sim city definitely is like a favorite game among irs agents yes i'm gonna yeah. go take their, collect <laughs> taxes. their taxes yeah uh so the game was recognized as a new phenomenon within the game industry and it broke the widespread belief that computer games were primarily intended for children because yes i can tell you as someone that tried to attempt to play SimCity when I was a kid, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And it yeah. was a disaster. What is this word? Residential. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Sick a tornado on it and destroy the planet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you could destroy stuff back. Yeah, yeah. they had destruction. We're, we're getting into that just a second. So uh, SimCity was met with the critical appraisal for its innovative and addictive gameplay in spite of the absence of a platformer of platform or shooter elements because that's basically all that was popular at this point yeah other than starflight the last ninja just kidding uh reviewers also consider the game to be instructive and helpful toward the player's understanding of basics of urban planning politics and economics SimCity received numerous awards. I played SimCity. I'm basically a civil engineer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, you, you walk outside. Nah, that road's not going to work. You guys are going to start all over. <laughs> yeah. You got to <laughs> just delete it all and repave it. <laughs> They're like, who the hell is this guy? What? 
Yeah. As he's pushing up his giant oversized glasses. <laughs> Excuse <Yeah>. me, sir. <laughs> you walk into a building. Sorry, sir. We have to tear this down. I need more space for commercial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're at the. Sir, get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's not going to work out. I promise you. It's totally not going to work out. Yeah. All right. So basically, the objective of Sin City is to build and design a city. Uh, without specific goals to achieve, players may face disasters like flooding, tornadoes, fires, etc. As a fact, like uh, basically in 1989, <laughs> they were innovating back in 1989, getting tornadoes, and we're just now getting tornadoes in Battlefield 2042. <laughs> 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 uh yeah so but it was crazy like you can do earthquakes even monsters will come yeah. to attack like godzilla will come destroy your city and stuff it's like yeah. dude, this is nuts what the heck and everybody's like that was the fun part of SimCity that i remember playing everyone's like mm -hmm. hey let me load up my game and i'm like got perfect traffic the taxes are a perfect level everybody's mm -hmm. happy and i was like and godzilla attack what do you know? <laughs> Economic collapse. <laughs> the, the tornadoes. The, the image plague. of Godzilla's Facebook yeah. account. He makes a status. Yeah. <laughs> if one person He's likes like, this, I'll destroy a city yeah. for no other reason. And then it, it shows a picture of Godzilla like, like this status. And like. then Godzilla comments, you asked yeah, for yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think Oprah posted it the other day. I laughed yeah. so much in my car. I was like, oh my God. Uh, so uh, SimCity was a financial success. <laughs> Congratulations, EA, making another successful, making gig. more money. Wait, oh no, sorry, Maxis made this. Wasn't EA? EA didn't own Maxis yet. Spoilers, not yet, not yet. It was just gonna happen sooner or later. They were gunning for him. Yeah. So they sold one million copies, and EA's like that guy behind the tree, like rubbing his hands together, is like <laughs> looking, looking over at Maxis. Um. So, SimCity inspired a new genre of video games called software toys. That, what? Because City Builder wasn't a thing yet. So, they called them software toys. So, it's games that were meant for, like, adults with no actual objective. So, it's basically like City Building sandbox games. They called them software toys. I was like, that's a horrible name. That's a terrible name. Yeah, that's a terrible name. Um, oh, okay. So... Listen to this. This is kind of a cool fun fact, too. On March 12th, 2007, uh, the New York Times reported that SimCity was named to a list of the 10 most important video games of all time, the so-called game canon. The Library of Congress took up a video game preservation proposal and began with the games from this list, including SimCity. And I put on there, I was like, oh, it's a throwback to our I game preservation episode. Yeah. I would... I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I too. would say SimCity is definitely influential in the in the gaming sphere of like ev ev every gaming at at all. Yeah, and every you know? every city builder after this is basically this is yeah, the grand this is like city. the granddaddy of city builders because it's yeah. not like oh we just made a game where you can like build the stuff like put houses down and stuff like no this game has like traffic taxes economies like Godzilla attacking like this had everything and this yeah. is an eighty nine so it's like. Yeah. If you if you don't have at this would be the uh the litmus. So if you're making a city builder and it doesn't have at least this stuff, it's like you're slacking because they did it yeah. in '89. Come on, guys. Yeah. So um, two more fun facts about SimCity is that SimCity yielded several sequels. Sim games of many types were delivered, and it's actually you know when you think Sim, you're like, oh, it's like a simulation game. It's like yeah, kind of, but that's not where it came from. So Will Wright, the creator, and Maxis developed a myriad of titles, including 
Sim Earth, Sim Farm, Sim Town, Streets of Sim City, Sim Copter, Sim Ant, Sim Life, Sim Isle, Sim Tower, Sim Park, Sim Safari, and The Sims, which spawned its own series. And I are you telling me that Sim Copter didn't take off? <laughs> no, no, you <laughs> Oh man, you should have saved that for the end. That was like awesome. Everything great. Uh, we'll use we'll use it again. <laughs> we'll just do it at the end too. <laughs> Whatever. Um. So I was like, oh man, they have all these games and everything. Sim Ant was actually really cool. I remember playing that one as a kid. You actually like control an ant farm, and oh, you like control the colony yeah. of ants. Like to do. Wasn't stuff. there? There's a Kickstarter kickstarted game to like uh called ants ant simulator and yeah they abandoned ship yeah they took all your money and ran because they they, fa- they found out that the game they were making was already made back in 19 <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so the sims itself actually the sims has sold over 200 million copies not oh my god i did not know that so not not sim city but the sims is way more yeah. successful. Hopefully he renegotiated his contract with them yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So uh, also not really another fun fact, but if you scroll down, there's a picture of him with his, uh, he was married and I think had a couple of kids and then he made the Sims and then he got a new wife, a, a Russian wife unexpectedly. That's probably 30 years younger than him. So good for you, all right? I hope you're happy. He, okay. He <laughs> looks like, uh, is he smiling in this picture? I don't know if that's a <laughs> smile. It it's literally the type of smile a child would draw on a stick figure. Yeah, he looks like a popsicle stick. <laughs> uh, what's the guy? Oh, Stephen Hawking. Yes, he looks like Stephen Hawking if he wasn't paralyzed. Yeah, pretty much. He literally has a Hawking vibe. Big old Hawking, Hawking vibe. I could only, I could, dude, I could only think of Ethan Hawking. Ethan. <laughs> he looks like Ethan Hawking. <laughs> Ethan Hawk. That's my. That's Ethan. Oh my God! It's Ethan Hawk. Oh my god, it's Ethan Hawk. Is that Ethan Hawk? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bird, it's a plate, it's Ethan Hawk. <laughs> exactly. So that's it. That's all that happened between 1985 and 1989. Uh there's wow. there's a lot of other this... stuff that happened, but there this is the stuff that I thought was important to PC gaming okay. specifically. Think think back to like 40 years, right? Mm-hmm. In the past 40 years. I can't, I'm only 31. I get that. <laughs> we like there are industry veterans mm-hmm. in their 60s mm-hmm. who are probably retiring by this point. Mm-hmm. I hope they are. Hopefully, if they, if um, they made The Sims, they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People who are retiring, who were making these games in their 20s, mm-hmm. who saw the start of all of these franchises, yeah, and some of them may have helped those franchises cultivate like entire genres. Yeah. That is inc- that is crazy to think, and like EA has made all of its freaking money in only the past forty years. Yeah, like yep. it's crazy. What's nuts though is that they make more. They probably make more money per year now than they did for the first thirty years of their company, just from FIFA. Oh no, I get that. I yeah, I get yeah. Obviously, they're they're way greedy and disgusting tactics now. But I'm just saying, like, all of what was achieved in gaming has mm-hmm. been achieved in. Within the span of people's lifetimes. Oh yeah, it's it's crazy. Which that, is just insane. Is that yeah? There's people that are like 56 years old that like bought Atari's as teenagers and are and can play PC play New World today, and it's like oh yeah, this looks a little bit better, like yeah. <laughs> graphic wise. <laughs> I still 
I still want to be- go back in time and play Dungeon Master. That was yeah. the height of gaming. Well, see, the thing that's crazy, too, is that, I mean, I grew up playing Super Nintendo and then N64 and stuff. So, like, I yeah. obviously now when I play a game, I'm like, oh, this game has really good graphics, you know. I grew up with mm-hmm. that. But to me, and I'm, I'm assuming it's probably the same to, uh, you know, the older generation. To me, there's something about, like, the Super Nintendo era of, like, sprite graphics that are kind of, like, timeless, right? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Not all the not all the games. Some of them are rough. <laughs> Shaq Fu's probably not up there. But you know, like oh, you know, man. like Link to the Classic. Past, Legend of Zelda is like it still holds yeah. up. That game still looks really good for what it is, you know? Yeah. And then but it's crazy now because games that are indie, whatever, they're like still trying to grasp that perfection of those graphics. You know, how many games come mm-hmm. out that yeah. are sprite graphics and stuff that they're like just because your game is like low res doesn't mean that it can't be beautiful. It's like a totally different perspective. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying any of these games went over today are like good looking <laughs> by any means, but it's cool that that these games that we're going over and as, you know, we kind of continue the series, we're going to get closer to, you know, stuff a lot more stuff that we know Doom and then, you know, getting to the 2000s, it's like, man, these games are still innovating. It's crazy to think that yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, Starflight, you know, cool. It's like, this is basically Star Citizen in the 80s. Like, that's <laughs> what, you know, and yeah. that's what they were trying to do. Because somebody had the idea of making something bigger than themselves and make something cool that now benefits all of us, right? Yes. And yeah. and I hope that developers, people that are in the industry, you know, maybe even us in the future, have new ideas, fresh ideas to keep the to keep the game industry going and keep it fresh and keep it more interesting than what it is because as much as hey it's fun to play back for blood ak left for dead 3 that's like a 12 <laughs> 13 year old game that's already yeah it's just a rehash of the same thing and i mean yeah. it's just like oh fifa 22 nhl 22 i mean that makes sense it's a sports game it's going to happen every year no matter what but the fact that we get keep getting sequels and sequels it's just like hollywood there's no new ideas it seems like and whenever you do have a new idea, everybody just compares it to everything. Oh, it's like Dark Souls. It's like this. Right. It's like that. It's like, guys, new games do come out and they're like themselves. They're not, don't have to be like yeah. everything else. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Not where I'm going at that point. I'm just running around in circles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I, I get what you, you're talking about. You know, all of these games that started genres, it's, it's hard for us to recognize when new genres come out because there's been so much that's been released already mm-hmm. that we just end up comparing it to other things. Yeah. You know, we do it when we when we talk about the games that we've played. Yeah. I was talking about Breathage and I'm like, well, it's a little survival horror as kind of yeah. like Resident Evil. Yeah. Like if you put Resident Evil like next to Breathage, you would never think that they're the yeah. same game. But they share mechanics, mm-hmm. right? New yeah. genres are born from playing with mechanics and yep. evolving them. Yep. And we just have to you know, as gamers and, and whatnot, recognize when a game does something so innovative, 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 there, there you go, innovative to certain game mechanics that maybe it's become its own genre. It's it's harder to tell as time goes on because everything just meshes into everything. But yeah, I mean, if you think that Back for Blood is not Left 4 Dead 3, you're wrong. Yeah. And that's or you're a Back for Blood developer and you're just salty at Valve. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, did you learn anything cool today? I learned that if I have a really cool helicopter, I can make a game out of it. Nice. All right. Well, with that being said, if you liked our content here. Or I can buy a Russian wife, <laughs> yeah. either one. 
I just need a lot of money for either <laughs> Basically, of those. Basically, either for helicopter or wife, I need a lot of cash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if you liked our content today, we post our episodes every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Central Standard Yeehaw Texas Time. There's other states above us. We just don't recognize them. Um, they don't matter. They don't really matter. They're keeping our head warm. <laughs> keeping the White Walkers out. <laughs> uh, also, you can find all of our content uh, info on our website, PCMarcast. You can also find us on Patreon if you like our content. Want to throw us a few bucks at patreon.com forward slash PCMRCast. Shockingly enough, our Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Discord links are on our website, PCMRCast. I know I already said that. Dot com. Whoa. And at the, the bottom of the website, you can send us an email. It has a contact form down there if you want us to read an email online saying you like the show, blah, blah, blah. That's on there for that reason are you telling me that simcopter didn't take off (laughs) no no you monster